I met him 15 years ago. I was told there was nothing left, no reason, no conscience, no understanding, and even the most rudimentary sense of life or death, of good or evil, right or wrong. I met this six-year-old child with his blank, pale, emotionless face and the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. I spent eight years trying to reach him, and then another seven trying to keep him locked up, because I realized that what was living behind that boy's eyes was pure and simply evil. Hmm. All right, all right, come on, where's my beer? The boogeyman is coming. Totally. Death has come to your little town, Sheriff. No, it's Halloween. I guess everyone's entitled to one good scare, huh? Grab your coffee. Should be ready. Grab your coffee. My coffee. Coffee on the nightclub. It's like, what is it? Seven o'clock in the morning. I'm going to go get my eggs and bacon and my coffee. Bro, coffee <laughs> used to keep us going back in the cut when we would all <laughs> record around the cell phone at Travis's place. Yeah. Coffee used to keep us fucking going because we would try to start at like eight or nine. Dude, we'd be there till three in the motherfucking morning, dude. <laughs> and it was all Travis's fault because he just couldn't. He just couldn't wrangle us in. Well, I think most everything is Travis's fault, so works it's fair. out. It's what? fair. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? What? Did We're I talking do? about coffee. I'm informing them that coffee used to be our staple, bro. Oh yeah. Back when back when we were recording around the cell phone, 
<laughs> we'd be oh. there till we'd be there till three in the fucking morning trying to get an episode done. Oh, brother, can't, can't, couldn't get right. <laughs> a long well, time ago in a galaxy far, far away. I don't recall that being my fault necessarily. <laughs> <laughs> Things haven't changed all that much, <laughs> bro. I don't know about that. I don't know about that. We're gonna have to get a lawyer to figure that one out. Perhaps somebody that's good with rules and contracts. For, for sure. For oh, sure. okay. So I'm gonna have him defend <laughs> himself. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Cronenberg, you you've been listening the whole goddamn time. You used to hear I me. Fuss, my hops. You used to hear me fuss Ricky and Angel, and now I'm fussing these fuckers. Always fussing everybody <laughs> on this show. <laughs> it's never changed. <laughs> I need, sometimes I need to fuss myself too, though. It's true. Um, yeah, it's true. Welcome to the nightclub, where we are the ones who devour animals into Spook House. <laughs> you can't, you can't say that, bro. You can in a yes, small. I don't think you can say that anymore. I bro. don't think you can. You can no. in a small town. Oh. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I don't. I don't. I don't want to get canceled, man. I really don't. I don't want to get canceled. They say it in the movie. Um. I'm I'm the creepy guy behind the bushes telling people to get their ass out of here, Travis Travis Maxwell Boone. And uh I'm joined by Grindhouse Zombie, also known as Groundskeeper Willie, and I'm here to trim your bush. <laughs> <laughs> the guy that's uh knocking him up so I can tee off over there, my boy Kaboy. That's me, the buttery stuck babysitter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Set, let, let's set it all up, baby. Yeah, boy. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, and we are we are graced tonight with the presence of what, to my to all of our knowledge, is the longest listening listener of the nightclub, the one who's been clubbing the hardest from the from king the start. Of kings, if yeah, you will. the Bay of Bay, <laughs> Mister. No, hold. How we do that? Like Michael Buffer from Scotland. Coming in at 180 pounds. I don't know how, how much you weigh. Ian <laughs> Cronenberg. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. I am Cronenberg. This is from Scotland. Or tonight I will be Tommy Doyle staring out the window through the blinds watching for the bogeyman coming to get my ass. <laughs> oh. <laughs> He's going to get me. He's going to get my ass. That's got to be in it. Get my ass. It's going to get my ass. It's a 10, boy. It's a goddamn 10. <laughs> my ass is a 10, boy. <laughs> It's definitely a 10-year-old boy in this movie. You're right. It's definitely a 10-year-old boy. <laughs> if Tommy Doyle would have been standing at the window just like fucking Moon and Michael, come get this ass. Come on, boy. <laughs> oh, no. Come get my ass, Michael, boy. It's a 10. Yeah, but you couldn't, you couldn't show that, so you'd have some grown-ass man with a hairy ass crack, Moon and Michael. <laughs> Michael Myers turns out to be the pervert from Sleepaway Camp. This is the thing he does when he, <laughs> after he's done been burned. That's why he wears a mask now. He likes them baldies. Yes, mm-hmm. he does. That boy's after some some small town baldy. <laughs> I'm just saying, small town baldy. God damn small it! Town cupcake baldies. Fucking yeah, boy. <laughs> tonight, tonight is uh, gonna be one of those nights, fellas. This is a legendary. As we were saying pre-show, this as 
Cronenberg said, it's like the godfather of all slasher movies, and it's one of the touchstones of hor- the horror film genre. If you're a horror fan and you haven't watched this movie, you got to correct that and you got to see it for all the the reasons. Cliche sometimes is cliche for like for for a reason. If you don't, they're gonna laugh you out of Valhalla. <laughs> if there was a Mount Rushmore of horror icons, you goddamn best believe that Michael Myers oh, yeah. is gonna be on mm-hmm. there. Tonight's film is Hell yeah. Halloween from 1978, chosen by our esteemed guest. Uh, Mr. Ian Cronenberg, based on his appearance on Dune's Cantina, Volume 18, uh, screen sharding. (laughs) Um, You you said your dad had shown you this, I believe? Yeah, my dad was a big John Carpenter fan. Obviously, I had seen The Fog and The Thing before this, but obviously Halloween was the film I watched that scared the shit out of me. Right from the opening scene with the with the title music, and then just from beyond, it just it terrified me and kind of made me infatuated with horror films at the same time. It's it's cool whenever one of these movies that is one of the touchstones of horror is is cited as somebody's like favorite. And again, it's like it's that. Well, that sounds cliche, but there's a reason for it for some of these movies. Like my two favorites that I always kind of shout out are Evil Dead and. Texas Chainsaw, you know, the OGs. I just, they're powerful movies. So even if they weren't, even if you don't look at them through the lens of a horror, like a, a fan of horror, just a fan of cinema in general. And I think, I think Halloween with, with those, along with the other two movies I mentioned, like they transcend the genre and be, just become good art, good cinema in total. When it comes to John Carpenter, though, everybody always talks about Halloween and the thing. Like that's right. his his two offsided movies. What's everybody's favorite John Carpenter movie besides Halloween and The Thing? Uh, you you named you named what might be mine, Cronenberg, The Fog. I really nice. loved the atmosphere in that movie. Oh yes, the atmosphere yeah. was nice. Yeah, the atmosphere is a pain. And pain. then there's then there's Adrian Barbeau. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, I love bro. I love everything about that that fucking the cast movie. is stacked. Hell yeah, bro. Cool story, man. Ghost pirates, get get out of here. I like that aspect of it. Is it's it's the the urban legend of the town, uh, you know, the little the dark little secret that they have hidden there. Uh, what's it called? Uh, Antonio Bay, I think, in the movie. Yeah, Antonio Bay. Yeah. Yep, yep, yep. And I'm like, yeah, Antonio Banderas is Bay, but so is this movie. <laughs> um, oh. Oh, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's Bay in the fog. TV. See the opening speech with the mm-hmm. old sailor telling the kids the ghost story around the campfire. Mm-hmm. That, that's that's incredible. That, so I think the fog would be would maybe be mine with a strong runner up, but I don't want to go with two in a row. So uh... I would have to go with Escape from New York. It's, it's a masterpiece. Uh, the whole Snake Plissken character, you know, he's he's a kind of good guy, but he's kind of a bad guy at the same time. Only thinks of himself. Uh, great cast, great setting, uh, just a great story and really, really tense. The whole countdown thing from, you know, the start to the finish. And, you know, you've got Lee Van Cleef in there as well and a lot of the kind of John Carpenter actors that he uses. And Tom motherfucking Atkins is in there as well. Yeah, but uh, it's 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 just such a good film, really well made. When Tom Atkins exactly. slaps any movie with his dick, you know it's gonna be good. 
Yeah, brother. Oh, sure. Tom Atkins is the dick slapper. I'm just saying that boy runs around <laughs> just slapping it on it on everybody's mama and everything he's in. He slapped it on on the fog too. You goddamn right. He was that yeah, that bro. creepy ass. Well, he wasn't creepy, but the ending was creepy. So hell yeah. Hmm. Oh Not, god, that's spoil that. That is such a hard question. Um, I really fuck. Um, I don't think I can pick one. So I'll give you. I can't. Well, I can't. Well, I two can't. Is, two is fine. Two is fine. Well, I can't even give you two. That's God the hard damn. part. Um, Ghosts of Mars. I'm glad I. <laughs> no, I'm glad I didn't ask no. everyone to give me your top five. Grindhouse no, would be like, oh, no, I would. Well, it, for different reasons though. Um, vampires. They live. Mm-hmm. Pri- Prince of Darkness and Christine. Oh yeah, shit. Yeah. Um, yeah, see, Christine would be maybe my runner up, but Prince of Darkness. It. I, I get why you're why it's hard to pick because yeah, dude. I mean, it's, it's bangers. It's bangers, bro. Bangers well, on top of bangers. He, he well, was slapping his dick all over the place in the eighties too. He just was. Yeah, I mean, Christine is Stephen King. Uh, they live. I just got to see in the theater very recently. I think I shared that with you guys. That mm. I ended up winning this big raffle that they had going on, and it was the silliest damn thing. But I was like, oh shit. Um, but that that movie is still as simple as it is, and as honestly as bad as the dialogue is, I still fucking love it. Prince of Darkness, I mean, we'll have to do an episode on that one day. And then uh, 1998's Vampires, I just love the tone and the pace of that movie. I just love Hell that. Yeah. I love that the goal is to save a hooker. I just love that. It's very <laughs> much it's a... so great. You know? So... Hell yeah, bro. It's very much a, a vampire western. Yes, absolutely. Um, oh, yeah. Definitely. And it's and it, it's definitely it's definitely underlooked and under-talked about. Maybe the most under-talked about film of his, actually. I'm going to have to watch it because there's a few John Carpenter films I haven't seen. And I'm going to admit something I didn't want to because Cronenberg's here. But I'm going to I'm gonna be honest. I'm going to be honest, T-Boo, hiding behind the bushes. You hate Scotland. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Slander. It's not true. <laughs> Damn. Hey, hey, Lonnie. I ain't never seen Escape from New York. Oh. <gasps> Really? Fucking hell, T-Boo. Ricky, Fuckin Ricky, do you want to say it or should I? You can say it, bud. Travis, I think get I know the fuck off going. the show. <laughs> <laughs> but you still have to edit it. <laughs> yes, you do. You still got to do that. Call me when it's over, and I'll come come over and and close the the link, and I'll oh, I'll just get oh, to work. That's just amazing. Oh. It's amazing to me because you're such a. I mean, you are you are a film buff, and you have well, never seen that. That's I mean, mind blowing. I got him. I got him to watch my favorite Carpenter film, aside from The Thing, and that's The Ghost of Mars, which is my little segue into Big Trouble in Little China. Oh, hell yes, <laughs> hell yes! That, that movie, that and Escape from New York, is something that I grew up watching with my dad a lot. Surprisingly, because my dad wasn't a horror fan, so to speak, but. He did like a lot of Carpenter movies, and I don't know if he even realized they were all John Carpenter or not, but he liked The Thing. He liked Halloween a little, but he loved Escape from New York and Big Trouble. John Carpenter did something really cool in his career that I think some directors picked up on, like M. Night Shyamalan, was to put their name on top of the movie, you know, 
Yeah. Like John Carpenter's mm-hmm. Halloween, John Carpenter's Escape from New York or whatever, like John Carpenter's Christine. He would brand the movies with his name. So it's like your dad might not have known it was a John Carpenter thing, but it, it it's cool to know that, like, despite that, he's a fan of this dude's work, like just in right. general, the way yeah, Carpenter he makes was, a movie. Because he was into Christine, too. Mm-hmm. And that's Carpenter just, and just King. Back, so Right. Well, he did a just lot of... Back to what Grindhouse said as well, though, I think it is really difficult to pick a top, see if you were to pick a top five John Carpenter, because even though, you know, the four of us just now have, have kind of gave what our favourite is, it's not Halloween or the thing, there's still some films we've not mentioned, for example, Assault on Precinct 13, which I think is a classic as well, but he also has a very, very underrated film that none of us have mentioned, which is In the Mouth of Madness, which I mm-hmm. think is a really good film as well. Oh, yeah, it is. Carradine and, or, no, um, Sam Neill. Yeah, Sam Neill. Sam Neill, Sam Neill yeah. and what's his name? Uh, well, this is part of his, I'm, I'm thinking of, like, now with all of his collaborations, and there's a list, um, and it, it talks about all the actors that he worked with multiple times, and sometimes, like, on back-to-back movies. Yeah. You think about um, Big Trouble in Little China, and then Prince of Darkness. They both had Victor Wong in them, and Victor Wong is an unforgettable actor. He's just unforgettable. Victor Wong is bae, bro. Exactly. So, John Carpenter, he's... uh. He knows what he's fucking doing. That, in the mouth of madness is that cosmic shit. I mean, yeah, a lot yeah. of his a lot of his movies get cosmic, even if they don't appear to be cosmic. Like like Halloween, it's cosmic. Yeah, like it's Christine. Cool. Yeah, well, Christine like is cosmic, cool. and yeah, uh-huh. Prince of Darkness is cosmic as fuck. I cosmic mean, as fuck. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. That's so. actually cosmic. <laughs> I'm yeah, shoehorning like... it into Halloween, but holy <laughs> yeah. shit, Ricky Ricky would probably slap me for saying that, but he ain't here right now. Is this yeah. the part where we all talk shit about Ricky? Yeah. Oh, okay. I called him a wannabe Bigfoot last time he was gone. So <laughs> just the hair and the beard and everything. He's a wannabe Bigfoot. The last time he was outside fucking getting drunk and cutting the grass and shit, I was seriously waiting for an actual Ricky off Trailer Park Boys moment where he would just wreck the lawnmower into the house while he's trying to record and shit. <laughs> yeah, just <laughs> park in front of his desk and all you hear is noise and he'd be like, oh, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay, look. I'm in more Rick and this Pretty. is my lawnmower. <laughs> <laughs> Came pretty close today, bro. Oh shit! That boy was twenty natters in, natter days in, and he was just like, "I'm gonna go cut the grass." Yeah, the see, grass see, on be- the topic of discussion right now, being John Carpenter, can I can I discuss something that really, really annoys me, and it really kind of like it just grinds my gears about the man's career. If you can grind up against it, the house, you can tell us for sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, obviously, when he when he first started his career. Obviously, Assault and Precinct. So it was that Dark Star as well. But then there's like Assault and Precinct 15, which got him kind of noticed. And then Halloween, which $300,000 budget made $70 million uh, dollars at mm-hmm. the box office. So that kind of shot him into the kind of stratosphere. And then he did the fog after Halloween, which had a budget of $1.5 million. It made a, look at something ridiculous, like a $19 million profit. So all his films leading up to the thing had made profits, and I think it like Escape from New York had a six million budget, but it ended up making like twenty five million. So when he made the thing, he was given a budget of fifteen million dollars because they were like, right, this guy turns stuff into magic. And obviously, the film was released two weeks after ET, when the world was all like, oh well, aliens are friendly, 
and all of a sudden the thing comes along and it's like, yeah, these fuckers ain't fucking friendly. Yeah. <laughs> and like the like see some of the reviews that film got, like they were like they caught disgusting. They say the, the special effects are garbage and they're vulgar. And then there was some folk where like the characterization is boring. And I'm like, what fucking film were you guys watching? Well, anyway, the film only made 19.5 million at the box office, which, yes, is like a 4.5 million, um, uh, what would you say? Profit. Profit, that's what I was looking for, thank you. But it was viewed as a bomb because they thought it was going to make a lot more. So because he put so much kind of love and effort into this film that he thought was going to be a big hit, eh, it really kind of killed like killed him in the inside. So he took a year off. So see, when he came back in 1983, no one wanted to hire him. And he like he really struggled. And Christine was a film that he made in 83. And see, the only reason he made Christine was because Columbia Studios went, we'll hire you. But you you can make this Stephen King film or it's nothing. So he, he he made Christine based on the fact that that was the only work that he could get, and that really really frustrates me because it's just this one film that you would say it probably just got released at a really bad time. It just got absolutely shat on by the critics, and I think it's really unfair that because I think I wonder what would have happened with his career. Don't get me wrong, we might not have got Christine, but I think if 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 the thing had been a hit, I, I wonder what he could have went on and done. But his, his career kind of um, plummeted after the thing, which is really sad. It's a great, great film, as you say. It's probably one of his best. But I just find it really frustrating that uh, that film kind of, due to the, the negative impact it had on the reviews, it just kind of shot him down. Yeah, I think that, and it's so sad that he puts so much love into it, and that's the one. Yeah, I get it. I get what you're saying. Fucking Roger Ebert, bro. There, there is a. He's the one that called it disgusting and offensive and all that shit. The main one, anyway. I don't understand what they were watching either, and that's I don't. I think there was probably just a kickback against horror at the time. You know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um. There's definitely a before the thing and an after the thing yeah. in his career. Uh, yeah, but the funniest part of that equation, though, is that because of the failure of the thing, he actually lost the job of directing Firestarter. He lost the job to, I think it was Mark Lester, something like that, that directed Firestarter. So he got bumped out of directing a Stephen King movie to get relegated to directing a Stephen King movie. A better so. Stephen King movie. <laughs> yeah. So it's like, well, yeah, okay. And say what you want. I mean, I love Christine. Christine's an awesome oh, yeah. movie. And definitely some parts of it that got changed from the book that are like I've I've read or listened to the book probably a hundred times. So it's like like I know it almost like back to front. So when I watch Christine, I know what's different from the book, but I also understand why it's different from the book and what they you know, what they had to do to A, move the story along, but also B, not be too muddled in this story. Because Christine is one of those books where there actually is a ton of story and it would be really easy to get muddled in it and to, to sort of get lost and not be able to to push the story forward when it comes to making a film. But I, I just I just think it's funny that for all that, he, he got fired from Firestarter and then put in a place where 
you know, hey, you can only direct Stephen King movies. That's all we'll give you. And he made Christine out of it. So I'm going to go ahead and call that a win. I mean, and all things being equal, I mean, the thing is when you talk about sci-fi related horror, I mean, it's King. It's if it's not King, it, it kind of depends on your mood. If it's not King, it's probably Queen or it's at least Prince or Princess of all fucking time. So whatever, you know, the thing, I, yeah, I, I, pr- Princess, the thing. Yeah. Yeah. Princess, well, the I thing. mean, as far as like, <laughs> as far as like sci-fi horror goes, I mean, you've got like, if we're talking like top tier, we're looking at the thing, Alien. I would say probably i don't know why i'm thinking a creature feature but tremors man i mean if if we're gonna go that's aren't they the aliens tremors yeah the aren't they, tremors yeah are they are they aliens or are they just underground creatures i don't think they ever say they don't oh. ever say whether, whether well, i'm gonna take that one off. or not i'm but... gonna take that one off then um because it, it, well, well because you don't have to it's still kind of sci-fi bro like oh I yeah think, i think they're just like I think they're just like something that evolved separate and just came well, but, up out the fucking ground one day because of all the well, but alien the whatever alien by definition is just something that we don't think belongs here and we've never seen before. Doesn't mm-hmm. necessarily mean that it isn't terrestrial. Yeah, I go dude, for that. Yeah. The graboids are them old world Tartarian monsters that just been dwelling Ooh. underground the whole time, and when the mud floods right. happened, they got buried. That's why they down there. It's, so it's they're the coming back. Remake, see, see the blob remake is that. Sci-fi, or is that a creature created by man? That's a that's an alien creature. That thing came yeah. from like a comet yeah, or some shit. I think. Sci- yeah, it's that yeah. sci-fi. See, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm a, I'm gonna say the stuff, even though it's not top tier. But I'm gonna say that too. Wait, is that so- fuck? I I, I don't the I don't sci- know. The stuff is the stuff is sci-fi horror. Fuck yeah, it is. Yeah. I don't know yeah. if it's top tier, but I got you. I'm gonna go with it then. It's a it's a s'more that somehow stays in molten state and bubbles up out of the ground. That come if that ain't yeah, sci-fi, bro. I don't know what is. <laughs> I'm I'm gonna go top tier is gonna be it. That's sci-fi. The things from from outer space. Not the thing, yeah, it but is from don't... outer space. When for me, when you're talking mm. about the king and queen, and you could switch them out however you want, I think it would be hard to argue with the king and queen of sci-fi horror being the thing and alien. Yeah. And that's that. not necessarily my favorite sci-fi horror movies. I'm just saying, like, culturally, these are the top tier. You know what yeah. I mean? Yep, I would go to that coronation. Yep, absolutely. Oh, Annihilation about, is um, a good one, but mm, I wouldn't put it top Event tier. Horizon? Event Horizon's dope, but I don't, I don't yeah. even know. I don't know if I would automatically want to give it top tier status, but since I can't think of fucking anything, I'm else, talking like <laughs> top tier classic cultural like like this is like a cultural landmark you know what i mean oh well then well, yeah I those think, there's nothing that comes close to those two right movies. to those yeah. two that's and why th- they're event th- horizon is going to be in is going to be in the court definitely yeah, yeah. I, don't sure. know, I don't know sure i don't know if it's carrying a tray full of wine glasses or what but it's definitely in the court it's a know? it's it's a lord from a low-class family is what it is definitely yeah 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 okay. yeah, yeah, yeah yeah i'll agree to that i'll agree to yeah. that it's no there, silk, but who's the no silk and, jester though? No silk and gold. He's all iron and all cloth. Yeah, the, but he's there. Who's the fucking court jester? That's what I want to watch. Shark side of the moon. <laughs> <laughs> shark side of the moon is definitely the court jester. I would. Or uh, maybe well, it's, it's a Russian oh. shark which is holding <laughs> that tray of wine. <laughs> <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Have you seen the movie Sky Sharks? No, not yet. But I'm excited. <laughs> okay. Okay, I'll tell you that, what. Was that poster? Because I couldn't understand. I didn't see it good. It's kind of stylized. Is that a Nazi riding on a flying shark? Yes. 
Okay, yeah, it's the best. Okay. It's the best. Yeah. I'm ready. Yes. Let's go. So so <laughs> I'll tell you what, watching Sky Sharks makes Shark Side of the Moon look like Jaws. Okay. <laughs> it, oh. God, watching damn. watching that movie, I, there was a time for, for Twisted Tuesday where I thought he had accidentally put the wrong movie on and like started another movie. Nope, he didn't. It was still the same movie. <laughs> it was a different place. And that happens like six times through the movie where you're like, did the movie change? Nope, nope, still the same movie. But oh my God. We're going <laughs> we're going off to shark movies now, but it's still summertime, which uh, that makes me want to say I, I debated keeping holding this recording session over till uh, Halloween Havoc this year until last night during our Swamp Donkey watch along of Halloween, which uh, which we were missing you, bud. We were missing you. Yeah, def. Segway before the Segway, um, we j- join the nightclub discord. We do fun shit. Link in For the show sure. notes. Um, anyway, that that housekeeping's done with. Uh, I, Ricky convinced me that fuck that. This is the nightclub. Put put out the goddamn Halloween movie during the summer. Nightclub. Hell yeah, boy. Nightclub. Okay. Yeah. Nightclub. Nightclub. We're gonna do it. Nightclub. <laughs> what you're gonna want to do before you watch Halloween, if you've never seen it before, is you should probably wait till autumn. In real life, you should. You probably for should sure. for the maximum effect. Hopefully, you, hopefully you live somewhere where the cheese. I can't talk. The cheese? Where the what cheese is... changes color with the season, <laughs> yes. That's just called mold. That's bad. Throw your cheese away if it's changed colors. Look, man, we're going we're gonna, to we're gonna make a, a tasty Halloween dish tonight, all right? And it's going to have all the moldy cheese and all that, that, that getting stuck stepsister butter that, that you love. <laughs> it's, it's coming. Um, yeah, you're going you're gonna to want to get yourself a pumpkin, carve it up real nice. You got a jack-o'-lantern. Fucking put that shit outside. You start the movie, it's kind of like late in the evening, so the sun's going down. By the time the movie kicks into gear, it's going to be dark outside, and you're going to be fucking fully invested in this movie. It's going to take you away. That's what you want to do. That's what you really want to do if you're going to watch this movie. Oh, yeah. Um, and you can try that in a small town. <laughs> Let the ritual begin. feel like us our persona as the nightclub is sort of a mix between snake Plissken and jack burton at least that's the vibe i try to try to give off what do you what do you boys think well i don't know snake Plissken because yeah, as i've admitted I, I i haven't watched uh the movie so i don't know yeah For one sure. eye one ball whatever same thing right? oh, oh no oh no <laughs> <laughs> well the night the nightclub has collectively five balls so it's true. <laughs> and our five balls, our five balls count for more than all six of the who goes there. <laughs> all six of the forever midnights. Oh. Um maybe just... not maybe not 
because I don't know how many balls are in Cellular. There's a lot of people in Cellular City, so I don't know. I'm not going to fuck with them. They, they only have six balls, too. They only got six balls? Mm-hmm. Uh, want, we throw in shade at everybody. We might as well call out the Satan Club. Oh, you bastards. Why are you torturing me like this? Why? <laughs> Halloween is a 1978 American. You hear that? American. American. In a small town. Yeah. Really? You Scottish bastard. Small um, town Haddonfield. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> wow. Independent slasher film directed and scored by John Carpenter and co-written by producer Deborah Hill. Uh, this movie stars... I'm gonna. I don't think I'm gonna fuck up any of these names tonight, y'all. I think. Oh I think right, this, let's I go. Big I, talk from Tibu. <laughs> why you got to give me shit, dude? I'm just. I'm saying. I'm. I'm gonna try my best. All right. You can't you got, see that, can you? It's way too bright. Uh, uh, it looks like a a piece of bread or something. What is it? <laughs> it's a picture of me and Tony Moran. <laughs> Ricky. Ricky, oh, R- Ricky misses the bread factory real bad. <laughs> yes, he does. Yes, I, I he guess does. I do. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Fuck. Well, everywhere fuck, he I'm, looks it's brand i'm dreaming brand. about it for christ's sake so i don't know what the, fuck that says. <laughs> the the bread factory is like some kind of possessed skinamarink pocket dimension oh, that we, God, the nightclub don't, slips don't. into every once in a while we have to deal dude. with all the torment and pain dude that would be the worst skinamarink of all time <laughs> being stuck in that fucking place oh shit okay Starring Dr. Dronald Pl- <laughs> God. Okay. Starring Donald Pleasance as Dr. Samuel Loomis, Jamie Lee, Jamie Lee Curtis as Lori Strode Bay. In, in her um, film debut, uh, feature film yeah. debut. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. six different people played Michael Myers in this movie. Most notably was Nick Castle as he, he played The Shape. Uh, the the picture that Grindhouse just showed off to the nightclub here, signed by Tony Moran. He played Michael Myers at age 21. Right. And then there was Will Sandin, who played Michael Myers at age six. Right. Uh, and there's a few other people played Michael in different scenes, like a stunt, you know, stunt person, whatever. They made so. too. Mm-hmm. Didn't, didn't John Carpenter put the mask on for a couple of scenes because somebody wasn't there? I believe so. I think that's accurate. I think that's accurate. I was born in a small town, <laughs> and I couldn't breathe in a small town. Yeah, boy, I probably died probably in a died small, small town. town. Hell yeah! <laughs> I don't know if they have we used that one before? We gotta no, use it in this no, one. No, but but it's coming. Fuck yeah, bud. <laughs> I I Fuck unironically yeah, bud. love that song though. Oh, same, same, same here. Yep. When that when that harmonica part comes in in like in the bridge and it's just Beautiful. the harmonica and guitar. Oh yeah. yeah. The fr- major small town frissons happen. For sure. Mm-hmm. <laughs> hey, fucking ungrateful Scottish don't, don't, what don't the fuck. 
Don't fuck what up the, the fuck? episode like that again, dude. Don't God fuck up the episode. This is the fucking so, nightclub. Have some goddamn what? respect for the nightclub. We're, we're, we're professionals, bro. For Zoom to decide, I need an update. <laughs> <laughs> you, tell, you tell that computer that you're on the nightclub. Yeah. Make it act right. Unbelievable. Unfucking believable. Give it, give, give it the goddamn Tom Atkins dick slap to the face. Roundhouse oh, kick. Yeah. No, I, no fucking wonder that place is a fucking island. People wouldn't put up with this shit. No, God <laughs> damn, it's unbelievable. Oh, what the fuck? It's unbelievable, man. I cannot I, believe it. Lack where is of fucking? Perf- where's Zoom from? Where the fuck is it was Zoom that fucked this up? No fucking Scotland. <laughs> it was fucking Zoom. Well, it, seeing, <laughs> seeing, how, seeing how Zoom, this is going, it's probably from Scotland. That's ironically, what I'm Zoom Zoom's headquarters is based in Scotland. I don't know if anyone knew that. Tax <laughs> from America. Yeah. Oh shit! <laughs> but but instead of being that. instead of being called Zoom, it's just called Zoom. Zoom. <laughs> Zoom. Every Scottish person sounds like Trump when they say Zoom. Yeah. Zoom. 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 Okay. All right. Make me a jackass. Yeah, I just want to take this opportunity to say fuck Zoom. Fuck Zoom. Yeah. Zoom can go and fuck itself. I, I thought he was about to start saying fuck the nightclub. <laughs> <laughs> would have made sense at this point. That would have made sense. Oh, that's awesome. Okay. Uh, now nah, we're just joshing. Also starring PJ Souls as Linda. Uh, li- wait, Van Vanderclock. Her Ooh. last name is Vanderclock. Yeah. What Vanderclock. a name. Yep. Okay. Okay. And um, Nancy Loomis, no relation to Doctor Sam Loomis because he's fictional. As Annie Brackett. Oh, she be. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Any bracket, and we got some other people in there. I I don't care about them. Isn't this... she the buttery suck babysitter? Yes, yeah. she is, yeah. boss. Yeah, she is. <laughs> here's here's me and my purple panties. I'm stuck in this here winder. Oh, awesome. just... <laughs> yeah. The way this movie came about was film producer Erwin Yablans. That's just a silly but awesome name at the same time. And (laughs) and financier Mustafa Akkad, they went to Big John Carpenter and they were like, Big John, we got this idea, see? And it's going to be huge. It's going to be fucking huge. We want you to direct this picture. And it's called The Babysitter Murders. And John was like, all right, but I want want full creative control. And um, they gave him that so he could just do whatever he wanted with this story. John shacked up with Debbie Hill and they just started banging and writing the script for Halloween and getting drunker than fuck all That's the dope. time. And they got high too, because like the inspiration from this came from uh, dark souls that were released on Sawin. Cause the film came to him titled Halloween. He didn't title it that. And there had oh. never been a film before called Halloween either. It's, I don't know why someone kind of like the nightclub. They just never thought of the so simple, a, 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 a name to name something, but you know, it works out. And they also created a fable about a, you know, the most evil kid who ever lived from some, again, small town. <laughs> <laughs> He's doing things in a small town. Uh, great, terrible, evil things. They, they came I'd up buy with... that for a dollar in a small town. <laughs> they came up with this story. <laughs> and it, and like like Cronenberg was saying pre-show, man, this is the precursor. This is not the precursor. This is the blueprint, the framework right. for the slasher genre it created the trope of the final girl. The final girl didn't exist before this movie and the final girl's virtue being the reason that she survives and takes on the killer versus her, I guess you'd say corrupted friends, but that's the trope that got invented. Right. Um, creating Michael Myers. That was again, like small town folklore. Every small town has their own little boogeyman story or 
a, a haunted house story where somebody that lives in this house down the road fucking killed someone else or whatever. Big nasty. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Mamu has its own fucked up house with a fucked up person in it. Big nasty. And that boy Big would go boy. outside and he would have a mouthful of dip and he'd be drinking at the same time, just constantly drinking like Bud Light and Budweiser and smashing bottles and yelling. And you can't understand him. You can't understand Remember him, when so. he threw that chain and he, he took out the fucking transformer. <laughs> oh, yeah. That dude, he was bruh. just mad. He was just mad for no reason. Just outside. He fucking swinging a chain like Betty from Kung Pao. And he's he the, flung it into the air and just wrapped around the transformer and fucked up the power for the neighborhood for no this, reason. This guy was the real life version of the South Park hick that's like, Dick took your jabs. Oh, for real. That, yeah. That's what he really sounded like. And he was like a is, cross between that and Ricky from Trailer Park Boys. Yes. Yeah. We <laughs> lived in the same neighborhood growing up. So I, I remember that day. I went outside yeah, and just fucking threw the thing and blew up a fucking transformer, took out the power for the neighborhood. My dad went down the road and was fucking cursing him out and yelling at him and shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, what was his real name? What was that uh, dude's what's real his name? name? Eric? No. I don't know. I don't remember. All right, fuck. He's it. just All big right. nasty. He, yeah. he was his name was Big Nasty. He spray painted it on his fucking house. Okay. And <laughs> and he got a decal that said it too on, on his truck. Yeah, boy. Big nasty. Wow. No shit. That means that means you're legit. So I wanted to talk for a second about Mustafa Akkad. It was so, I don't. What's the word? It not, not weird, but like as a young kid, okay, seeing because uh, it's kind of a very foreign sounding name, right? So it was very weird to see that name in the credits all the time. Sure. Um, and you saw it for <clears throat> Halloween, Halloween two, Halloween three, Halloween four, Halloween five, Halloween the Curse of Michael Myers, Halloween H two O, and Halloween Resurrection. Um. The interesting part is that uh, Mustafa Akkad was actually killed. He was killed in 2005 in the, uh, um, I think it was the Anon bombings. And going forward into the future, if you look at all of the latest three um, Halloween movies, his son Malik was also uh, an EP on the last three Halloween movies. But I think he also got a credit on H2O, but I think he was like 12 or something. But kind of an interesting family business. Um and it's weird because I've seen these movies so many times, but there's a little piece of me that thinks that that family played a big part in keeping these movies going and keeping them alive. Yeah, dude. Without without Mustafa Akkad, the franchise definitely wouldn't have continued the way that it did. What's interesting as well is the fact that John Carpenter never wanted this to be a series. He wanted it to be a one and done. But obviously Akkad was the man that was like, you know, the first film made money, so... There's money in the sequels, hence why you know the the um the series continued basically. Yeah, he pretty much forced Carpenter to to work on part two, and John did begrudgingly. No, Ricky, you were talking last night about how you you wanted to see the franchise follow the Danielle Harris. I don't remember her her character's name at the moment. Someone say Maybe it. I don't know. Um, from part four. Yeah. Instead of just retconning it at the beginning of part five. You wanted to see her become Michael Myers, basically. Basically, yeah. Yeah. You mean Jamie? You mean Jamie? Jamie Lloyd? Yeah, Jamie, Jamie Lloyd. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That's a that's a thing that like a lot of movies try to do, but no one really does a good job of it. It would have been just really cool if. You mean like Halloween ends? Right. Yeah. Exactly. Okay. 
It could it could have been good if Corey, you know what? It could have been fine if Corey would have lived. Spoilers, but you know whatever. Yeah. Or giant flaming buckets of shit, but spoilers, whatever. Yeah. Tommy Lee Wallace was hired as a production designer, art director, location scout, and co-editor. This boy wore many hats. That's the guy that went on to direct Halloween 3. Fucking and I think did a dope ass job. Did he also do part 2? Or was that somebody else? Somebody find that out. Um part he two? Al- Yeah, part who did who directed, who directed it? it? Yeah, he also created the iconic Michael Myers mask for a dollar ninety eight. One dollar and ninety eight cents. He bought a fucking Captain Kirk Halloween mask, painted it white, fucked the hair up, and cut the eyes out a little bit, and that's it. Boom. Horror icon status, Mount Rushmore of horror faces. Didn't he burn it a little bit too? Didn't he burn it with something? No, I thought he just mm-hmm. I, he just painted it. Okay. It. I thought he I think he might have like shaved the eyebrows off or some shit. Like shaved them down to where they were flat. Mm-hmm. Something like that too. Boom, yeah, historical. The boy historical, son. What's interesting as well is that originally it was going to be a clown mask that Michael Myers was going to wear. And obviously the Captain Kirk mask had already been kind of altered. And uh, the actor, uh, I don't think it was um, the lad who actually plays the sheep throughout the film. He, he was told to go into a bathroom and put the clown mask on and come out, which he did. And apparently Carpenter was here with the crew and they were all like, oh, that's really creepy. That's, that, that looks really good. And then Carpenter went, just for shits and giggles, just go in and put the Shatner mask on just to see what that's like. And the guy went into the bathroom and he stepped out. No one spoke. And Carpenter said there was just this chill kind of filled the room. And then he was like, fuck, that's 10 times better than the clown mask. Fuck it, we're going with that. And that's how the mask get chosen. That's dope. Oh, yeah. Fucking A. And they made a good choice not going with the fucking clown mask. Just oh, saying. Yeah. Hell yes. Yeah. It works for, for the little sure. kid. But, uh, like Cronenberg had pointed out, when this movie was released, it was a fucking major big time hit. Um, oh, budget wise compared to box office wise. It's 70 fucking million dollars at the box office. I yeah. Mean, one, 150 worldwide. 150 yeah, world yeah. fucking wide. Yeah. This movie was the most successful independent film for 21 years until the release of Ba, 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 ba. The Blair Witch Project. Yep. 100%. Cotton. Haha. <laughs> Shout out Shadow the Pod. They, they, are, they are recently number one in Iceland in comedy for podcasts. Hell Fucking yeah, dope. man. <laughs> Fucking dope. <laughs> oh, God. It's like trying to make a daytime soap opera and being number one for porn in Iceland. Like, good job, guys. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Way to bring it. <laughs> Grindhouse is shitting on y'all hard. I hope y'all come I am back not, something. I am not shitting on 12 with twat. I'm not doing that. Come on. I ain't got time for Chuddle. <laughs> I, cer- I certainly ain't got time for Chuddle. <laughs> We're going to fuck up that getting to know you. We're going to fuck <laughs> it up. <laughs> oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah I've I, seen Pulp Fiction. I know how to do it. Yeah. Oh, what? You got me there. You yeah, got I don't know what that you joke. Mean. I don't know what you mean. Well, I was going well. to say, Chuddle O'Brien's going to be my gimp. So, <laughs> gotcha. He seems like he'd fit in the suit. I know oh, Ross won't fit in it. He'll fit in the so. box. He'll fit in the box. We could put him yeah. and Sam in there. Ross will be our. He'll be the one we keep in the corner. Okay. Sounds yeah. Good. Uh, corner. The corner gimp. <laughs> <laughs> PJ Souls and our kind of cheerleader of. I don't want to call her a cheerleader of horror necessarily, but. 
she was in a lot of things. And then after 78, there was a lot of attempts to emulate her as an actress in a lot of slasher movies. Um, a big piece of why she was cast for this movie is that when she did her audition, she went through it and um, she actually kept using the word totally. Totally. You know, yeah. Like, like, Hey, well, I think they think, Oh, I think it would totally great. And that was a big reason why they cast her is because of how she said the word totally, which is just kind of a little bit mind blowing. Like that's, that's how you can get your stick. But I mean, whatever you get your credit stick and- credit to Deborah Hill for that too, because she handled up the, um, all of the female characters in the script writing process and Carpenter focused more on Michael and, um, Loomis and creating that whole fucking, that that's part of the story, that art. Pretty much everything Loomis says in that movie, too, is a goddamn cosmic tin. Just it's saying. Hell yes. Like, Hell goddamn yes. near everything that boy says. Uh, so, I I mean, fuck it. Here we are, gentlemen. Like Ricky said, let's open up the goddamn pit. Let's talk about Halloween. On Halloween night 1963 in the suburban town of Haddonfield, Illinois, stand in for Haddonfield, New Jersey, whoop, whoop, we get a POV perspective shot that's right out of Black Christmas, a movie Bob Clark claims that Carpenter did not copy, even though there's definitely some fucking elements right here at the beginning of the movie that just scream Black Christmas, but uh, I guess Halloween did it better because people remember this one and not so much the other one. Shout out to Black Christmas, though. It's dope as fuck. Little Michael's, little Michael's fucking, he's perving. He's perving through the window and he he's sees. He's stalking. Yeah. yeah. He, well, perving, stalking, same thing. Yeah. He's peeping. He's whacking it. He's, he's peeping, whacking it. peeping Mikey, peeping through the window on his sister and that one pump chump boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, that boy goes up there and gives one good pump and gets the fuck out. You have all night with this girl and you just go upstairs and right, dude, because Michael goes in the house basically and this dude's like, hi, bye. Well, but at but at that age though, you can kind of see it. Like you just want to get on to the next prod. I get Dude, that. No, Makes fuck sense. that. My first time, I lasted way longer than that because I'm and it's. I'm not saying it for bravado. I just I really cannot believe how fast that happened. But the movie's got to. It's got. It's got to because this is all one shot, one mm-hmm. continuous take in in this opening of the movie. I don't know if it's multiple shots strung strung together. Does anyone have clarification? Because I don't. I've never heard it talked about. It just seems like one continuous shot to me. We can call it allegedly. It'd be good with that. All things being equal, I it the opening shot of this is great. It 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 goes back to how we talk about this is not a slasher at summer camp. This is not a slasher who's in the hills of somewhere or whatever else. This is just you didn't lock your door, you know. And that's that's honestly what makes the shape or Michael Myers like so great. It's just. You know, you left your door open, so you... yeah. Well, then this dude's fr- that is his house too, so it's within the home. It's already it, well, in in well, your exactly. house. Exactly. So that's you. so that being where it started, your family just, member. Well, and it's it's honestly kind of awesome how this starts. And you know, to your earlier point, he's in the he's in the clown mask, and I think it works really well in the beginning of the movie. Um, but to carry it on would have been kind of stupid. It almost takes it it, it takes a six year old kid who has this persona because i mean i don't think any anybody here wasn't at one point when they were five six or seven years old a clown for halloween right like you can totally get it but then i think the william shatner mask or the call it the shape turns him into something of an anamorphous just creature where he doesn't really he doesn't have a face and he doesn't have a yeah and he's not a certain person or a certain personality he's just evil and that's awesome 
Mm-hmm. He's that dark void behind the eyes right there. But through these eyes, the whole scene is filmed from through the mask's eyes. Well, after he put he puts the mask on. Yes. Uh, and that's still great when he when he pulls it. That's still something about that. Some and because we again being six or seven years old and putting on the mask and being the clown, you I think we all can appreciate that perspective of your face behind the mask and how how both it, it conceals a little bit. It gives you a little bit of anonymity. So like people don't know who you are, but it's somehow also oddly like obstructs your vision, you know, and you don't see everything. Oh, you know? he sees something. What's he see, Ricky? He sees them titties, Bo. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You yeah. see them titties. Yep. Wakey, wakey. She nakey, nakey. Damn right. And then oh, he sees his knife. Yep. She, yep. Oh, and she <laughs> looked, he's and stabbing she looked, her. He turns and looks at his just, knife. Get, right. Get, just he while watches he's the knife while yeah. he's stabbing her instead yeah. of watching um, her. Just an odd, like in this so far in this like 10 yeah. out of 10 opening, this is the one <laughs> little sh- stupid schlock moment. That's like, why right. is this in here? Why is this kid looking at the knife instead of his victim? Okay. <laughs> well, the, but my the music, the music cues as well throughout the opening scene are incredible because you've got the bit where the the light goes out and it's like, and then yeah. when Michael's creeping around, all of a sudden it's, it's you're literally just watching a POV of someone walking around the side of the house, but then you get that. Bing, 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 mm-hmm. And it's like, oh my god, this is so haunting. But like what is going like something bad is going to happen here? Oh, dude, definitely. Oh, the definitely. score is a 10. No I'm, gonna get, I'm, gonna get, I'm gonna get Ian to do the whole score a cappella, and that's gonna be <laughs> that's gonna be how I edit this episode. That's gonna be the sound bed for the for the review. Nice. Um, go ahead and go ahead and kick the theme off because we find out that Michael Myers, little six year old Michael Myers, just murdered his fucking sister when his mom and dad come home. This boy's got yeah. The blank sanitarium. Send me to the Smith's Grove sanitarium face. Yeah, that's what he's thousand yard stare. Yeah, he's Mm -hmm. totally got it. opening title card for, for mm-hmm. this movie with that little jack-o'-lantern sitting there that derpy little pumpkin mm-hmm. and the, the black background as well with the orange titles just really sticks out as well right yeah. it, fuck man it, it's like it's just meant to be this iconic like it's crazy yeah it's crazy and um little fun fact ricky <laughs> ricky's like i don't see it and i could do it better but um <laughs> don't see it i still don't see it the nose on the pumpkin is was meant to resemble a butcher's knife because it has a little slit going from the nose going, down to yep. the mouth. Yep. So a little Easter egg in the in the title cards right there. Well, supposedly Michael, in in most of the in most of the pumpkins and then most of the posters, there's supposedly a little Easter egg buried in all of them. And if you want a rabbit hole, Google it. You can figure out most of it. I've, I've never taken the time, but supposedly I, in every one of them there is. I showed Ricky one last night for this movie. If you look at the hand, the knuckles on the hand that's holding the knife in the poster, it's a person's face. The face, yeah. yeah. I don't see the face I don't, is dope. I never noticed that before. See, that's funny because I don't see that one. I don't see it at all. That's that's so that's so weird that like one person can see one, one person can't see the other. But maybe that's the fun of the whole thing. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Sure. The next night. Um, oh, okay. Well, I'm gonna hold off. Here you go, PP. He got the old man bladder. 
<laughs> he got that Civil War, Great Depression bladder, bro. Bruh. Grindhouse. Grindhouse is been, he was in all those sanitariums back in the day. <laughs> he was in the Civil War hospital while they were cutting off someone's fucking leg. Mm-hmm. Amputating. He was like, shut the fuck up, Travis. <laughs> I was going to say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he's just telling. Dude, Grindhouse has been telling people to shut the fuck up for like 150 years, bro. <laughs> Almost 200, dude. Okay, if he was a young man in the Civil War, how old would he be now? Um, how 40 years older than God. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> how big's his fucking house? How long's it taking to take a piss? Is he fucking walking to the other side of the fucking estate or something? Yeah. Holy fuck. Well, when he gets off camera, he has to grab his walker and start scooting across the floor. It takes a while. <laughs> he had to go check his blood pressure and stuff. It's crazy. Well, that, that, I, that I do have to do. You'd be surprised. Um, but no walker and no colostomy bag yet. But we'll, we're getting there. Um, Michael gets sent to the to the sanitarium, and it, now we jump to October thirtieth, nineteen seventy eight, and Doctor Sam Loomis and Nurse Marion Chambers are driving over to Smith's Grove. They're going to be escorting Michael to a hearing, and Loomis is like, this dude, this dude is just fucking burying Michael, like talking the most shit I've ever heard in my life. Like he's a wrestler cutting promos constantly, but sounding philosophical and shit. This dude is like Michael's the devil. Yeah, He's pure evil, and he'll he'll tell it to anybody that'll listen to him. Anybody, anybody that's gonna oh, take yeah. the take the time, he is yeah. gonna he is gonna fucking. Michael yeah. lives rent free in this boy's head, yeah. bro. <laughs> I love yeah. it. I, I, I love it as well, like because you can tell he's kind of he wants to know if she's the right person for the job because he asks her has she had any experience of this, and she goes over like some of the things she's done, and then he's like, just don't underestimate it, and she's like, can <laughs> we refer to it as him if you must. And it's yeah. like just every line that comes out the man's mouth is absolutely golden. Absolutely mm-hmm. golden. Yeah. Yeah. I get the impression that serial killers don't exist in this in this movie's universe because it's like he talks about him like he'd be like Ted Bundy or some shit. <laughs> or, or fucking the Night Stalker or some shit. And it's like <laughs> this dude killed one person, bro. He talks about <laughs> him like like Michael Myers single handedly committed a nine eleven. Like right. that, that that's pretty much the level he's got him on. <laughs> And, well, and, I mean, yeah, but he's also been a patient of his for 15 years, and he's watched he's watched him both grow up, but then also never grow into being an adult as a functioning person. He's just watched him devolve into this right. sort he's of. He's still what, not a person. Yeah, he's yeah. like a blob of evil, but he's he's been able to watch a, it for 15 years. So that's he's that's like quite, a blind idiot god. Yeah, mm-hmm, I agree, kind of. Yeah, he's a shell, a husk of a human. It, it, he's a meat sack that is inhabited by the cosmicism is, is what is what Michael Myers is. That's and, me. I'm a cosmic yeah. meat sack. <laughs> That's all of us, baby. Oh, oh, you're a sack, all right. <laughs> <laughs> oh shit! I'm gonna name my one ball grindhouse. That's it. No, Brent. Oh. It's Brent. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a cosmic meat sack. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah. For sure. Well, for get sure. to hang out with Hogzilla. That'll be fun. Mm-hmm. Lots, lots to talk about. <laughs> he's got some. He's got some stories, especially as of late. But on the way over here, they noticed that the goddamn sanitarium gates are just flung wide the fuck open. Yeah. Oops! 
crazy people right. walking around at night during a thunderstorm everywhere in the dark. Since when do they let them roam around at night? They don't. Yeah. They're free range, bro. Let them be. Yeah. Free that, range. That lunatics. line as well. That line is is haunting. <laughs> I mean, you've got the rain and the lightning, and then seeing you just because you you only it's the lights of the car that kind of you, you're first looking at you going, what the hell is that? So something white, yeah. and then you realise, oh god, that's that's mental patients walking about, yeah. and the white robes just add this. I thought there's just something so unnerving about oh, that sure. sort of look. Um, and the, yeah. again, just everything's a ten with the atmosphere with the rain, and then you know she's she's like quite blasé about it, like, oh, I, I didn't know you let them walk around. They don't, yeah. and yeah. then like, <laughs> you know you see him starting to really panic because he's like drive up to the gate, and she's like, yeah, but go on, move, and it's yeah. like because he knows there's part of his brain that's going, is Michael amongst one of these or is he responsible for these people walking around and is he fucking out, which is his worst nightmare come to fucking fruition. Dude, yeah. Pleasance, uh, Loomis goes into full-on panic Pleasance mode. I like Grindhouse's term there (laughs) because free-range lunatics, yeah, marching all over the place. Michael sneaks them, sneaks on that car, is climbing all over that car, He's he he is spider monkey in on the car and bust in to get fucking wait does Loomis Loomis leaves the car right he he fucking rolls out yeah yep he's on a phone you see him at the gate on a phone yep and Marion gets attacked and Michael doesn't kill her but uh he he he, he Grand Theft Auto fucking carjacks her yeah he does I like he how goes co- straight to Vice City buff <laughs> I like yeah I like how cosmic beings just know how to drive cars for sure. Well, it's not that fucking hard, bro. You know, I'm sure he saw his his mom and pop do it. Mm-hmm. Well, but to what to what Ian was talking about, there's something about the the patient gowns or the patient robes as you know they're walking out, especially when the one comes over the back window. There's something, and I want to use the word ghostly about it. There's, oh yeah, it, this it's just yeah. So I, yeah, so I don't know exactly what it does to your psyche when you see it, but. It makes it almost otherworldly. It's spooky, cuh. It's spooky. There you go. It's it's just spooky. some haunting imagery. Yeah, that's yeah. why, and I, that's what I'm all about. That's why yeah. I typically tell everyone at the end of almost every episode: stay spooky, bitches. I want mm-hmm. y'all to stay in a, in a constant atmosphere of, oh mm-hmm. my god, the free songs are right there. They just write. I'm on the tip of the free songs all the time. <laughs> that's how it's I want the, everyone to be. It's on the back of your shirt. Too bad you're not wearing it. Yeah, I am. Yeah, I got the logo, dude. This is this is for fucking Ian, man. You think right. I'm not gonna come with the PME for Ian? Come no, on, because, because Ian wanted to see two naked men when he showed up tonight. That was his goal. Yes. Okay. <laughs> you know what? He's here. I'm gonna ask him, Ian. Does this does this not please you? Are you not Hell entertained? Yeah, it, pleases, it pleases me and my panties, boys. That's me what's me up, my panties. <laughs> yeah. And see, because it's Saturday. I've got some fruity drawers on, boys. I've got some orange <laughs> panties on, and I'm stuffing my panties. Look at you two, Louisiana. Sexy boys. <laughs> <laughs> this is exactly what I wanted. This is what we wanted. Yep. Oh, the next day the next yeah. day is Halloween in Haddonfield. And, um, Jumped at the shark. <laughs> yeah, well, dude, we did that. We did that on episode fucking 50, okay? Okay. If we're being yeah. honest. <laughs> Oh, um, Lord have mercy. Michael fucking, what'd you say, Rick? I didn't he, say nothing. No, no, no. He pours paint on that boy. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Michael saw him laying down, taking a nap, so he poured some very bright red paint on him. 
<laughs> Took his clothes. He, Michael is straight up a thief. He stole a car. He stole someone's clothes. He stole someone's life. For sure. Yeah, whatever. There's got to be cannon fodder if you're a slasher. There has to be cannon fodder. When who who do we meet first? Because I'm I'm a little I I know I just watched this shit, but um is it is it Annie we meet first or is it uh Lori? Uh, no, it's Lori. Lori. Okay. Yep. Yeah, dad. Yeah. Dad telling to uh, put the keys into the Myers house. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, for her dad from Strode Realty. Yep. Yeah. So the start of this movie is basically her having to go to the spook house. Tommy Doyle shows up because evil's gonna die tonight, and mm-hmm. he 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 calls it a spook house. Yeah, he does. It, I'm not being racist. He calls it the spook house. He does call it the spook house. Yeah, yeah. It's in the movie. She she's gonna be babysitting Tommy later tonight, and he's gonna be babysitting um, what's the little girl's Lindsay name? Wallace. Yeah, Lindsay, Lindsay Wallace. Wallace. I wonder if um, they named the characters. I know some of the characters in this movie are throwbacks to like Hitchcock characters and different things like that. But I wonder. Oh, check this out. Do you know where uh, Carpenter got the name Michael Myers? Where? He during the um, rollout of Assault on Precinct Thirteen, they got distribution in Europe. And Carpenter credits this English distributor named Michael Myers for handing him his career at at the beginning of it, like basically oh, starting wow. him off. Yeah. <laughs> so I wonder if they named um, Doctor Loomis after Nancy Loomis, and if they named Lindsay Wallace after Tommy Lee Wallace. Like it's just interesting. I I, I doubt it, maybe, but who knows? You know. Hmm. Interesting. I'm just speculating. Um, well, no, yeah, that's a co- that's a cool story though. That that was not something that I knew. So. It finally happened on the nightclub. Travis taught me something new. Excellent. Just... Yeah, so they do go to the spook house, and uh, she leaves the keys there. Lori notices Michael standing outside, like, all day long. She goes to school. Mm-hmm. Michael's sta- standing there outside while the teacher's talking about um, some analysis for, from, a, from a, a story. And it has to do with fate and how mm-hmm. uh, the, the characters in the story view fate. I know it ends up with fate never changing. Like no matter what you do, you're always right. going to have to eventually you're you're coming to this that fate's point. Fate's an elemental force. Like earth, fire, water and air. It's cosmic right. as fuck. It's Halloween right. kills. It's evil dies yep. tonight. For yeah. sure. It was all here. The seeds were all here in the first movie, y'all. Just saying. Cuz I I'm I'm going to say I know we've said it on the show before or I have Halloween kills is the condensed version of what I think everyone talks about or means when they talk about Halloween as a whole and Michael Myers as a whole. I think Halloween kills is the unbridled version. It cause it's like people talk about Halloween. They don't bring up that it's suspenseful and atmospheric for sure. But when you talk about the whole franchise, I mean, that opens it up to the kills and how it does go off the rails. Eventually Halloween kills is the movie. It's got, it's got enough of the OG in it, even flashbacks to the OG that look fucking like the OG which was insane. And it's got Michael being a stray savage, dude, and murdering the mm-hmm. shit out of people, murdering the absolute dog shit out of people, stabbing people in the neck with fluorescent lights. Oh, yeah. And stabbing a guy you know, in the kitchen with every single knife from the fucking thing, one at a time. <laughs> Death ritual, baby. I love it. You know, you know how the Halloween sequels after Friday the 13th was released? They got that wee bit more violent. Because like kind of obviously Friday the Thirteenth came out and it was a huge hit because of the kills. Obviously that's the real reason behind Michael becoming more kind of aggressive. But there's part of me that also likes to believe there's part of him that's 
pissed off that, you know, especially the, the later films like 2018 Kills and then Ends, he has spent 40 years behind bars pissed off that there was one person that evaded him and this is him taking out all his rage. And even at the, when, it, when it comes to Halloween Kills, he's even more pissed that he got tricked into that fucking basement. That's why those <laughs> firemen get fucked up because he's like, that bitch done me again. She fucking done me again. And he comes out and he fucks those firemen up the ass. They get it tight, boys. Yeah, bro. Yeah, that opening he's is a re- goddamn bo- tin. He's born out of fucking fire, water, air, and earth, literally. Yeah. A cosmic being, yeah. a blind idiot god. Fuck. Here to do one thing. Yeah. Kill. <laughs> yeah. Wanna... It still it still does bother me though that the the remakes ignored Halloween two because and I know a lot of people crap on it, but I like Halloween two. And I like that they and I get it, it's a movie, it makes money, things have to go on, whatever. But I sort of liked how it ended. You know, I liked Loomis being down, I, I liked it, just the, the huge explosive fire, the, the way they showed the mask burning at the end. I I liked how they tried to end that. I think I out, really out of enjoyed. all of the Halloween sequels that feature Michael Myers, I think that's the best one. Other than the new trilogy, I would say. I would put 2018 in there. The rest of them I, were not my cup of tea. Um. So yeah, after this, yep. she sees Michael staring out the window, or she's staring out the window at Michael. Looks away, looks back. Homeboy done took off in the car, so he's back to oh. his his pee pee mic. He's just looking at everybody. Kind of, yeah. He, he, he's got he's got the he's like he's got um. What's he need? Oh fuck! I said it last night. <laughs> he needs his eye candy. That's what he's looking for. His eye candy. Oh, I think so. Oh, but, yeah. But also, I think there's a piece when they, when they show Tommy Doyle. Oh, there's school. a piece. There's a piece stuck well, in a window coming. Well, I know, but when, <laughs> but when they show Tommy Doyle and he's walking through the that little hallway at school and he's carrying that like fifty pound pumpkin, right, <laughs> that he can barely hang on to, and it gets squished, you know, and those kids are making fun of him and doing that. He's gonna get you. He's gonna get you. I don't know if anyone's ever thought of this. Maybe somebody has, but I, I'm I'm gonna just say it because I think it's relevant. They show Michael sort of watching Tommy walk away dejected, and I think that. Michael saw Tommy getting bullied and whatever else. I don't think even if he would have caught Tommy at the end, I don't think he would have killed Tommy. I, I think he would have like hugged him as opposed to killed him. You know, My, like Michael. Yeah. No, nah, nah, man. I think he'd have killed his ass. No, nah, see, I don't think so. I think he, there's he a, kills piece... a he, he kills a dog, dude. He don't give a fuck about nothing. Uh, you might be right. But th- th- this was just the, the one moment in the he, movie he where it's dog, like bro. he ate that. Like, but, well, Okay, fair enough. I'm just trying to look at look at it from a perspective of, okay, I'm a, obviously a fucking lunatic, right? I got, but like, yeah, even, I, I hear you. I just don't even, think so. Even the craziest of person can find something to relate in a given situation, and I think that's the one time where I think, like, maybe, I think maybe I think, he would have maybe he would have been the 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 Corey, you know what I mean? Yeah, he'd have took him <laughs> under his wing and been like, "This is how you cosmic cosmically kill everybody, Corey." This is this is how we fuck with those. Maybe, maybe, yeah. and that's a good that's a good point too. But I can see every every Batman needs a Robin. Well, but I can see a scene in the movie where he finally gets his hands on Tommy and grabs him by the scruff of the neck and just is like, and getting ready to kill him and just goes, "Nah," and just like pushes him out the front door and slams the door and goes on with his killing rage. You know, you I heard, just... if, if you remember how all this started <laughs> earlier, he's going to eat that ass too. Um. <laughs> <laughs> that's true 
That's true. Dr. Loomis shows up in Haddonfield and he goes to the cemetery. Bruh, this scene where the cemetery guy, he's, he's, he starts telling a story about Johnny Bones. Yeah, dude. And he doesn't, he doesn't let fucking Loomis doesn't let him finish his story. And I really wanted to hear where that story was going to go. Cause it was some, yeah, I'm the same people. I'm the same every time. A whole family was about to get murdered in this story. What the fuck? Well, but you missed so many. You missed a couple of really cool scenes here. You missed the the station wagon, the station wagon that drives through town, and it has the Smith Grove logo on the side, mm-hmm. and it's driving everywhere. And I don't know if people were just not super uh, perceptive back then, but I think somebody would have noticed a station wagon with the logo of a sanitarium on the side of it. That's just me. But then they <laughs> they did notice it. They um the girls. Annie and uh, Lori, they later, say. Later they do. Yes, later they do. But like nobody in the town, yeah. now that we have an escaped mental patient, nobody was like, there was no, like it would have made sense for this movie where there's a break in and it's like, uh, the hot off the presses, there's an escape from the local mental uh, asylum. Be on the lookout for it. nothing. Nothing yeah. like that. Like they no. didn't break well, in. That's, well, that's that's discussed though later on. Grindhouse, we'll, we'll get it. It's later on. I'll, I'll point it out later on. Between Loomis and, and the sheriff. Sheriff Brackett. Um, yep. Yeah. 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 So obviously they've not they've not announced it, but even even before that, I know you kind of covered it with like when Rickles was talking about that boy fell asleep and Michael poured paint on him. But see the scene where Loomis is at the phone box before he finds obviously the the pickup truck with the white gown and that, and then there's the body and the bushes. That scene originally was going to be. Loomis, it was in the script as Loomis on the phone to his wife and Donald Pleasance told John Carpenter, this guy's not married. He may have been married, but for the last 15 years, he has his life has been Michael. Oh, so shit. he has no life. He has no life outside of Michael Myers. If he had a wife, she's divorced him because he doesn't give her any attention. So no, this this guy is just absolutely consumed by Michael and nothing else. Yeah, that dude. I, I mean, I didn't know that. That's awesome backstory right there, and that makes sense because we haven't really talked about it. But Donald Pleasance is a pretty big fucking name. Um, he he was in a lot of movies. I would say before I was paying attention to movies, and it's not movies I've gone back to, but I understand him to be a very respected and versatile actor. He was paid the most out of anybody to be a part of this movie. Before they went to him, they wanted to get Peter Cushing. Peter Cushing was like, nah, you're not you're not paying enough. And then they tried Christopher Lee, and Christopher Lee turned him down. And then later in life, told Carpenter, like, that's Oops. one of the biggest mistakes of my career was not taking that role. So I bet. pretty dope that Lee would own up to that. For sure. Um, after school, Lori gets picked. Oh, well. On the way home from school, she gets stalked again by Michael. He's peepy yeah. Mike, and right in their face, he he he's staring at him. Well, they 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 see him in the car, right? Then they see him standing outside. When does the two different things take place? I'm fucking all out of out of whack here at the beginning of this movie. Well, you got her her and PJ Souls are walking home from school, and they're talking about going to parties and doing whatever else. And then up comes the crusty butter bay. Oh. Um, oh yep any <laughs> any bracket and they're just they're walking home and but she talks about how she's been seeing this guy all day and he drives by mm-hmm. and like i've been seeing that guy 
And then Annie kind of shouts at him, you know, gives well, him a the, shout. What I, what yeah, I like Annie's is, kills, dream, jerk. Yeah. What, I, what I like is <laughs> right. those he passes, one of them says, hey, isn't that so-and-so? Like, they right. think they think they know him, and I think it's because of the car. They think that somebody that they know who works at the sanitarium is driving by. Mm. And I, they say the name of the person, but when he drives by, you could see Michael just staring out the fucking the window at him. With right. that fucking stupid mask, and it's the and it's best. Like, there's no way that's that's the fucker you're talking <laughs> that's, about. I that is not you. your friend. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, like y'all were saying, they yell at him, and he come. He just comes to a complete halt, and then yeah, I'm like, and they hardcore like hard breaking sound effect. <laughs> yeah, no, it's awesome. Mm-hmm. It's I guess they're see now they're walking again later, and he's standing around outside because he hides behind the hedges. He goes, he's me, he's me in the corner. Uh, he's a, he's he's a hedge. in the hedges. Yeah. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> well, that scene though, where he steps behind the hedge, I mean, that is honestly one of the most iconic shots oh, in the yeah. entire movie. Yeah, 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 definitely. You know? yeah, say, and man. it's a guy in a hedge. I mean, think about right. that. It's like nothing spectacular. That, that but, the clothesline oh. and the fucking doorway when oh, it's super sheets. dark. The sheets, yeah, the sheets blown in the wind, and he's just there, and then he's gone. Oh yeah, yeah. But that this whole movie is full of those shots, though. It's full of those shots that are. Oh yeah, and those shots million. are all atmospheric and yeah, just yep. really cool imagery. You know what I mean? Shit, you can do with just taking. I mean, essentially, like it's essentially photography. Like, oh look, let me take a picture of that fucking shrubbery over mm-hmm. there. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a fucking spooky guy there. You know what I mean? That's one of the genius things about this movie. It's so grounded in reality. Yeah, for as much cosmic yes. shit as we're pouring on it, like like so much wasted paint, this movie is grounded <laughs> very much in the reality of if you're not going to have the nightclub perspective and you're just looking at it real world and right. Loomis Loomis is a rambling psychopath, then we just have a crazy guy on the loose and he's randomly killing random ass people and he saw his eye candy and he's fucking following it. Yeah, for dude. Sure. Yeah. All those all those scenes are fucking dope. And Annie at this point right here is a straight up gangster. Yes, she is. Cause she just hauls ass over to them bushes and and tries to look behind. She's like, What? Who's there? One of the other things though is that with this movie and then the series, I mean, it, basically it takes until part four to explain why Michael was after her in part one. You know? And well, that's Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, but that's kind of if you think about it, like there's no explanation as to why he's after her other than, you know, she's a young piece of coos. That's other my favorite. That, that's my favorite is the original like the because the rest is not Carpenter, you know, it. And, and if people like that storyline, the Thorn story, that's cool. Right. I'm not hating. I'm just saying my preferred the way I look at this story is just the way this movie is, is like Laurie Strode is not his sister. She's no one special. It, this is just random chaos. In well, that's well, that's ex- that's exactly it, though. But I think that's part of why this movie works is it's like, why did he pick her? And in this movie, they never tell you why. Yeah, there's never an explanation. It's a it's a well, no, it's a loose thread. Right. And and what do you do with a loose thread? You just pull it until the whole fucking thing unravels. But they never give you a reason. Yeah, I love I love the reason, reasonless, senselessness of it. It's mm-hmm. just it's just mm-hmm. he chooses her and that's it. Yeah. He's, he's it's scarier that way. It's scarier. And it's in a, in a sense, it's more personal. It's tragic, too, because it's like you could just be doing she did no one no harm. What we can tell about Lori and her character in this movie so far is that she likes little kids. She does good in school. 
she's you know sort of a not a shut in but she's kind of socially a butterfly because she does she likes ben tramer but doesn't want to tell him she she gets told she's going to go to a party or whatever and and you know hesitant hesitant to go so she's a good girl Lori's a good yeah, girl she's a good noodle yeah mm-hmm. yeah hell yeah when she goes home she does see the the that's that creepy michael hanging out in the clotheslines underneath oh. all the sheets scene so dope that dude is just down there straight up looking at her bro like you see me because i see you bitch mm-hmm. fuck and she gets she gets prank called by her friend <laughs> yes <laughs> she had too much peanut butter in her mouth yeah <laughs> like girl that ain't what you're doing with that peanut butter where's your dog yeah. <laughs> yeah i i oh wow okay that got weird fast um nightclub <laughs> yeah yeah i suppose nightclub yeah nightclub but, nightclub yeah nightclub nightclub yeah. <laughs> <laughs> thank you ian um so loomis is running around right that i think this is around the cemetery scene part um because yeah, I've, I've been i've been trying to get to it well they, they find at the cemetery after the story gets interrupted that judith myers's headstone uh michael's sister has been stolen mm-hmm. so someone went and took a whole ass headstone who do you think it could be um loomis fucking knows so he, he goes to meet with the sheriff, uh, and this is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Uh, Annie gets picked – or uh, Lori gets picked up by uh, Annie, mm-hmm. and they, they're about to have a, a fucking fun-ass car ride because they're getting high. They're listening to Blue Oyster Cult. Like, mm-hmm. it's dope, dude. Yeah, they, yeah. yeah Bob. And, and, you know, it, this – I've had so many times, like, where you just get with your friends, go for a ride, and you have a smoke route, like like going through the country – going through certain neighborhoods whatever countryside i mean and you've got like a like a you know a planned out route like where you can go smoke your thing along the way jam out and fucking just have a chill ass time not cause no problems not not be a problem it, i just i like the vibe i like the vibe yeah, of the bro. scene and they pull up at a hardware store yeah <laughs> <laughs> <clears throat> this place just got robbed fucking some, Annie, bro. some some masks some ropes and some knives yeah. yeah, and 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 Annie freaks the fuck out when they're pulling up. Because I love how like... much of a donkey Annie is when she's high, <laughs> bro. Because she's yeah. like, she's like worried that Lori's gonna give him up, like, like, and her dad's gonna be able to tell. But like, she's totally the one that's donkey high right now and can't can't play it cool. <laughs> it doesn't well, mean like, that Annie's huh? dad is the sheriff, <laughs> right? Well, yeah, but then the sheriff meets Loomis, and they have their little their little interaction and Loomis is looking around and as he's looking around the wa- station wagon goes by him in the background. They want to play a it great off. Fucking shot. Dude. Yeah. It's like, they want to play it off as just happenstance, but it's like, like you seem to be in like detective mode, like turn your head 90 more degrees and you'll, <laughs> you'll see well, that. That's, bro, that, that's and, the thing about Michael. Oh. He sneaks and peeps. He's looking yeah. at you. And if he doesn't want to be seen, the shape will not be seen. And but, it's th- like, and it's like, you can tell that Loomis can feel his presence right there too. That's the thing that I really like about that scene. He gets uneasy. He gets like a, his demeanor changes and he gets more nervous looking. And it's because Michael's in the fucking car right fucking behind him. You know, he's literally cruising around in a killer station wagon. And like every person of authority in this town seems to miss it somehow. Yeah. The shot composition in this film is amazing. Well, well, Cronenberg is going to get to that. Why that's not a thing. And I think also from earlier when the girls think they recognize i think that that car being in town might not be such a surprise to the residents of that town 
it sound it seems like someone who works at the sanitarium lives in town. Um, but the the composition of this shot is incredible. And I, I, I saw it last night, like when we were all watching it, and the way it's shot is again why Carpenter is just a fucking G, bro. You have the the girls pull up, Sheriff Daddy obviously gets co- a contact high. He comes right up to the window after they put out that joint. You know he smells that shit. Oh yeah, but be- because she's Daddy's little girl, she gets away with it, and they drive oh, away. Yeah. As they're driving away, the camera turns and Loomis is walking up. He talks to the sheriff, and like Grindhouse said, the station wagon pulls by, and Ricky pointed out Loomis starts getting all fucking out of sorts, and he doesn't even know why. The way this is shot in one take is the fucking... head pivot. The head pivot as the car goes by, like here's the car, and he goes like that mm-hmm. it's so it's so beautifully crafted i can't yeah i completely agree it's just but it's also that, that moment where you're like fuck he's right there <laughs> like just, yeah fuck. this this was the scene the first time i ever watched this i was screaming at the television for loomis to turn around he's right he's right fucking there he's right fucking <laughs> and it just and it, the car just floats by him and fucking <laughs> off and just continues the stalk. And you're like, oh, fuck. God damn it, yeah, Loomis. Bro. Yeah, yeah, bro. Fate, fate as we know it, bro. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. I've been watching Game of Thrones and the theme of fate and destiny r- runs heavy in that show. And people in that world, a lot of them, a lot of them tend to believe in fate and destiny. And how it's inescapable. I'm only saying that because I'm watching it. And the running theme through that and through this is that this is all meant to be in a way. Like every single part of it. And I don't know what is at hand. Obviously, it's the script. The script is pulling the strings. But in this story, in this world, it's all meant to be. I don't think that fate can't be dodged theme is just stuck in there in that classroom scene where someone goes to learn. So you're learning. Grindhouse would say it. I'm gonna say it for him. It's a metaphor for life. Sometimes you can't escape the things that that the things that are eventually going to come, and death is that fucking thing that's gonna come for us all. Winter oh, is yeah, coming, baby. bitch. Winter is coming. <laughs> oh yeah, boy, boy. Can't escape death, boy. The next it's a fucking ten more. It's a fucking ten. Goddamn ten, boy. Well, I'll tell you what, that's a cosmic ten right there, Bobby boy. <laughs> but the next scene, though, where where Annie and Lori are in the car and they're driving and they're having their little chit chat, and Michael is following them in, in the station wagon. He's 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 gone from stalking to like really bad police work where he's three feet off their bumper. Like mm-hmm. they should see him at this point. And I'm thinking them being teenagers, they'd be like, wasn't that the car from earlier? But yeah, nope. Well, nothing. and again, again, and and I'm I'm totally just creating headcanon, but mm-hmm. I think it's because when Michael does not want to be seen, there is just this aura, cosmic or whatever, supernatural. That I think there that, that it's an element that's at play at the in the movie because I won't say what happens, just for the sake of our structure. But what happens at the end of the movie can make the audience wonder: is is this supernatural? Is something supernatural at work here? I think when Michael does not want to be seen, it's like a spell gets put over people. Like, and I don't mean literally. The movie's not a saying fucking that cloak of invisibility. Pretty much, I think right. I think there's a special aura to well, it. And you might be right, but there's also he just manifested as just He's as they're just getting like, to the house. Though he literally, you won't see me. You he literally won't pulls see me. up behind them, 
one driveway away and he has his headlights on. His headlights are illuminating the back of their car. Mm-hmm. Like I don't anybody would have seen that. I don't know. The- this move this movie's not without its 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 because like I'm looking at it from this perspective, yeah. but you can look at it too as like this is a little a ju- again jumping the shark. Like how are you not gonna notice the car that you fucking came to a halt earlier when you were screaming at it and it's been following you. Well, shout out to our shuttle boys. This is, I think, is our suspenders of disbelief, and you just got to kind of roll with it. You have to, because mm-hmm. otherwise, it, otherwise you can get off the tracks, and then you're fucking leaking something into a creek, and the river water's poisoned, and then everybody dies. So Whoa. let's just, yeah, oh, leave it for what shit. it is. Everybody yeah, gets cabin fever. We're <laughs> just going to be pulling our suspenders like them boys from RRR mm-hmm. and yeah. dancing around. Doing the not too not too baby. Yeah, fucking <laughs> Cronenberg, hard, hard side tangent. Have you seen RRR, you son of a bitch? No, I've not. I've never really? seen it. It's dope. It's dope. You should watch it. It's dope. You should watch it tomorrow. For real. Is it on Netflix? Yes. It is, sir. I'll 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 get on it. Hopefully I'll it's get a, on it, boy. I don't I don't know if it's on Netflix in Scotland, but maybe. It should be. Because I, I can hunt it down. Different regions, different things. But yeah. Okay. Sorry. Um yeah, so like you were saying, Grindhouse, they fucking pull up and um, Loomis gets the sheriff to go with him to the, the Myers house. And I love the look of this house, like the dilapidation, how fucking yeah. run down it is. For me, this, is, this whole scene is the greatest scene in the entire film. Hmm. First of all, the, the, the music that's playing over the top of it is probably the most haunting music throughout the whole film. Because obviously you've, you've got them getting in and as you say, Tibu, the house, the house looks incredible. You know, it's just it's dilapidated. It looks like a haunted house. And obviously, when they first walk in, they find the dog. And uh, you obviously you then get the line, was it he got hungry or he needed to eat? Something like yeah. that. Mm-hmm. And then Bracket goes, what, what kind of a man would do this? This isn't a man. So it's like you've just, again, this is, you know, it's the, the, it's building here, you know, Loomis, he's gave his slight insights into Michael throughout the film, but this is where he just, it's like he goes into full-on promo mode when he goes up that stairs and he gets the fright with a pipe coming through the window and he pulls the gun and uh, he turns to Bracket and he goes, oh, you probably think I'm, I'm overreacting. And he goes, no, you look plain scared. And he's like, yeah, I am. And then we just get... This legendary speech, you know, yeah. the whole, uh, I looked at him for 15 years. You know, when he first came to me, he said there was, there was nothing left with this pale blank expression. I spent, you know, and then the whole, the blackest eyes, the devil's eyes. It does, and then it's like the whole, I spent eight years trying to get through, through to him. And then I spent the next seven years making sure that he never got out. Because what was behind that boy's eyes was just pure and simple evil. It's just absolute magic. And it's, I don't think John Carpenter gets enough credit as a storyteller. And this here, this whole script, the whole Loomis, sorry, Pleasance's performance, it's just absolutely magic. This speech is up there for me with Quint's speech in the USS Indianapolis scene from Jaws. It's just absolutely incredible oh it's yes my favorite. it's it's my favorite yes. fa- twin speech in, in this speech the two of my favorite speeches from uh horror films they are like the heavy hitters of horror film monologues it's just 
absolutely incredible. And Pleasance just knocks it out the fucking park. This is, I agree. This is probably yes, the does. scene where, uh, if 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 you're looking at it again earlier, when I was talking about it transcends horror. I think this is probably one of those moments where this movie just oh, gets yeah. elevated out the ass because of Donald Pleasance being amazing as fuck. Being a fucking G. Yeah. This yeah, agree, Cronenberg. This is one of the best fucking montages or monologues rather from a character in probably movie history. I would say. I, and, I would have and, it in there. And then and then going back to what we were discussing earlier on about obviously Grindhouse you'd mentioned about the, the car cutting about and why no one had mentioned anything. Well, there's a scene at the start where Loomis is walking out of the hospital and Dr. Wim's following him. And Loomis is obviously going, get on the phone now to Haddonfield and you tell them exactly who walked out here last night. And Wim goes, Sam, Haddonfield's 150 miles from here. There's no way he could have got there. And then there's a whole speech about, you know, he'd have had to have driven and he can't drive. He was doing pretty well last night. So... First of all, obviously, Haddonfield's 150 miles away from the sanitarium, so that's probably why, you know, no one's, there's been no kind of news thing, because at this point, they don't know where he is. But translator. At the same time, I need a translator, Scottish translation. How many kilometres is that? Oh, I'm not sure, but so it's, it's, a, it's, it's maybe... I'm just being a dig. I'm just being a dig. You don't have to, you don't have to answer that. I've no idea, but... He's, he's a fucking dig, the, bro. Tell him he's a dig. Two hundred and forty-one. Oh, look at this dick! Look, you're a bigger dick than me for knowing, right? But then oh, this man. is the this is this is Wells because Bracket then goes to Loomis, right? I'll tell the I'll I'll get a radio announcement and I'll tell my men. And Loomis is like, no, don't don't because you'll just cause sheer panic. You'll look for him in every street. You'll look for him in every house. And at this point, he he knows if Michael clocks that you know. The, the police are fucking looking for him. He's going to fucking bolt. He's going to go into hiding um, and, you know, and just patiently wait until he can cause further chaos. So that's probably why the car at this stage doesn't get noticed by anyone, even though it's got the the branding of the, the sanitarium yeah. on the, the doors. Well, well that, that, but also combined with, I think the movie subtly tells us that someone lives in town. Well, damn, 150 miles is a, a commute. Hmm. Maybe yeah. not then. Maybe not then. Yeah, um, I don't think any. I don't think anybody in town is a custodian at Smith's Groves. I don't. I don't. I don't think so. Yeah, but, I'm gonna. I'm gonna um, retract that theory then, based on what what <laughs> Ian's laying out now. But but this does follow follow through because he he's trying to convince the sheriff like the best way to do this is to catch him coming back here. The dog carcass is obviously evidence um, that Michael has come back. Um, it, we get we get that. We, that I want to try to do. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we know what to do with that on the nightclub. Oh, um, yeah. I'm gonna try to do that <laughs> um. So, hey, Ricky, Ricky, how come you how come you haven't gotten on the bandwagon with your screen name here, buddy? What the fuck? He he did look at it. Look at it carefully. Yeah, you got to look at it carefully, bro. Oh, the bay. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Travis. <laughs> that was bugging me. Okay, I can move on now. Yeah, I can. <laughs> um, not not drive to Louisiana and burn your house down because you are not a team fucking player. But never mind. That is thanks, not bro. how that goes. That's not that is that some heavy retaliation. <laughs> <laughs> Don't bro. cross Grindhouse. He will burn your house down. Listen, man. I will burn listen, house man. zombie. <laughs> they're listen, man. They're breaking up my driveway because they've ele- elevated the road. 
And I just want you to know, I've got more than one trench around my house at the moment. Oh, okay. boy. We are to to trenching. War. Time to go to war? Yeah, boy. Mm-hmm. That just that just sounds like a that just sounds like a pre-dug grave to me, man. Fill them up. Oh no, bro. Fill them up. Fill I'm stockpiling chemical weapons and everything, dude. A can of Lysol wipes is not a chemical weapon. Just so you know, okay. Cronenberg, <laughs> you, you, you're you're here for when I start fussing because it's about to happen. <laughs> I'm gonna fuss you too, even though you, you fuss me all you want, boy. Even though you well behaved, well behaved Cronenberg over there. He's very polite. Yeah, the fuck's wrong with you? Just get fucking. <laughs> Just get fucking manners, boy. That's all. Get fucking manners. It ain't my goddamn show. It ain't my house, boy. I'll behave myself and I'm a guest. <laughs> <laughs> Man, when you come here, you could take your shoes off at the door and get real comfy. Yeah. Yeah. For real. I'll take my shoes mm-hmm. off and get my dick out. Is that what you're saying? Oh, God, please. <laughs> if you want to. <laughs> right, I'll just spit his beer out. He spit his beer. <laughs> oh, oh, my God. That's a 10 out of 10. <laughs> oh, oh yeah don't forget to wipe the desk too bro oh. came out through my fucking nose thank you for that <laughs> god damn oh i know that oh, shit my. burns oh um, my shit's all fucked up now there's fucking just beer and snot and pus and cum all over the place oh <laughs> All the wholesome things. Ah, okay. L- Loomis Loomis gets the sheriff to agree to kind of like low-key patrol the streets for Michael while Loomis hangs out at the Myers house waiting for Michael to kind of, you know, saunter on back when he's done murdering random fucks. Yeah. And that evening, Lori's babysitting Tommy and he is babysitting Lin- Lindsay across the street. So we've got that going on. And Annie is horned up. She's trying oh, to get her oh, boyfriend yeah, she is. <laughs> to come over. And um, she makes me want popcorn. I don't. It, yeah. Oh God. With a whole mm-hmm. stick of butter on it. A whole stick. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think we're getting our scenes all out of out of whack, maybe, but no, 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 yeah, because this is when um oh if this is when Myers Michael kills the dog, then yeah, we are getting our scenes out of whack. Mm-hmm. Fuck us. Anyway, nightclub. Uh mm-hmm. t- Tommy well, Tommy sees well, Michael out the window. Technically and- he killed he kills two dogs. Technically. He killed the first dog to eat. And he kills the second dog because it's it's hot around where he's trying to get up on that buttery popcorn ass. Oh mm-hmm. fuck! Okay, all right. Well then, fuck me. I'm 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 the fucking re re dumbass. All right, my bad. <laughs> um, <laughs> well, well, there's a shocker. Okay, <clears throat> dude. Breaking breaking news. Yeah, I, I've done the shocker more than once. I, I'm very familiar. <laughs> um, Tommy Tommy sees Michael looking at him from across the street, and this shot. <laughs> Is I would also put in the iconic Michael staring yes. shot camp, yeah, um, and that's this is in the night camp now, where mm-hmm. where Michael is across the, the street silhouetted by the fucking like porch light oh. or whatever. It's so good, dude. Fuck yeah. that. That is the boogeyman. That's the boogeyman right there. And, and I like, hell yeah, I like I like Tommy Doyle here because he has his costume on. From the back, he's like a karate ninja, and from the front, he's an astronaut. <laughs> Like, talk about thought, like non fucking committal. I thought it's he fun. was supposed to be Chuck Norris. <laughs> oh God, that's a good fucking point. I never thought of that. God he, damn, he's Chuck Norris getting his ass beat by Bruce Lee. Yeah, fuck, <laughs> fucking Chuck Norris. Yeah. Oh God, you. Yeah. Oh, and then Michael, Michael looking through the window at Annie, and she's all bitching, and I spilled 
butter all over myself. Oh, mm-hmm. this is terrible. I've got butter right. all over myself. <laughs> oh, my God. She has to do and laundry. Like, so oh, she goes out there. My girl changes her clothes a little bit. Oh, yeah. And then she gets stuck. <laughs> and not just stuck. She gets stuck in a very sensual way. I'm going to just put it like that. A very compromising position. Uh-huh. Yes, yes. Yeah. She she is our buttery stuck babysitter. Yeah. That girl yeah, wa- she gets locked in the fucking laundry room and tries to climb out the window. And yeah. R- Ricky said this shit last night and it was fucking ridiculous. <laughs> she gets stepsister stuck. <laughs> she gets step she's that she's that she's that, she's that untouchable stuck stepsister, bro. Like that's the type of stuck she is. For this, sure. this conversation was going on, um, and and I'm I'm over there. I'm high as fuck, like I am right now. And I'm like, dude, it would be dope if in, in, in like a fictional world you'd have the buckets of butter and shit. And it's Michael because he he's he wants his eye candy and she's all buttered up. And this boy, it's it's <laughs> instead of Aunt Jemima, it's Aunt Jemires. And it's, yeah, it's, Aunt Jemires. <laughs> it's him on the fucking bucket with the little head wrap and shit. That's the kind of product you can find in a small town. That's all I'm saying. For sure. For oh sure. My God. <laughs> oh. I do so, love the I do love the uh the there's a couple of TV shots in this movie that I love. And one of the mm-hmm. ones that I love is the like the RKO symbol. I just there's something about that. Like the the old school like sci-fi and creature pictures from like call it back in the day. I just love that. That yeah, is awesome. Lindsay can't stop watching horror movies, even though she's fucking scared. And I'm like, I fucking love that girl, bro. Like oh. hell, that that was me as a kid. I was scared out of my mind, and I could not. Oh, that that was yeah. all of us, I know. But like, just oh, yeah, it, it's, it it brings me back, kind of like the car ride. There's things in this movie from 1978, no less, that give me nostalgia for for shit that you know happened. Again, like Grindhouse would say, a metaphor for my for my life a little bit in this movie. Thank God I never got stalked. PP mm-hmm. might. <laughs> yeah. Well, you just don't you just don't have the hips to get stuck in that window. That's your problem. Um but this the spot where where Ricky talks about her being stepsister stuck and then like little Lindsay comes in and magically saves her. Mm-hmm. It's like I don't know. I'm looking at that window and I'm looking at that lady and I'm like, are you just a fucking moron? I mean, I don't think you're really stuck. Yeah, I I'm just, just saying. I think yeah, maybe Yeah, I think she yeah. Well, she, she found was, a she found a loose nail or something that was hitting the right spot and just decided to stay there for a while. God just, damn, that's hardcore. Kind of, <laughs> she just kind of wiggled back and forth. Like, ooh, I'm stuck. I'm stuck. I'm almost there, but I'm stuck. I'm stuck. She, yeah, she I was just... waiting for her boyfriend, bro. <laughs> Bob. She wanted Bob well, to show she up. Was, she was warming up. I don't know. <laughs> warming up on a loose nail. Jesus yeah. Christ. Jesus, fuck me. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Lindsay. Let's, say- let's fucking, let's, let's face it. It's just as well that Annie dies in this and she wasn't around to see the film Hellraiser because she'd have fucking loved Pinhead, wouldn't she? she oh, yeah. God. oh, yeah. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> she'd have been yeah. instant Cinnabite. Instant Cinnabite. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah, she would have wrote a book called Making Love to a Cactus for Dummies. Yeah, and she would have <laughs> nailed it. <laughs> <laughs> Um, Tommy, Tommy is fucking seeing Michael peeping and, 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 uh, blah, 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 and he's getting stuck and, and rescued and fucking Michael is creeping. Michael's creeping yep. hardcore. Hold on. No, it's Linda and Bob. Linda and Bob are the couple. Who's, who's, yes. uh, so oh, Annie, Paul. 
Paul. Paul. And, and he's, and he's Paul. waiting for Paul. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So she takes Lindsay across the street and dumps her off with Lori because uh, Annie wants to get some of that butter covered Schwantz, if you know yeah. what I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, <laughs> she's like, yeah, I'll be that back later. Paul corn. <laughs> <laughs> Man, that. <laughs> uh, oh. I picture things someone? going into orifices that shouldn't go back into orifices they came out of. <laughs> well, yeah. <laughs> but then you have you have Annie walk in the kitchen and Lori is sitting there literally in the could not look more homely, yeah, more whatever else in the big apron as she's carving the pumpkin. Mm-hmm. There's some I mean, but I think we talked about it earlier, like setting her aside as like the good girl, right? And yep. well, going forward in the slasher series, how we a lot of our slashers Friday the 13th maybe specifically but talk about taking taking out vengeance on the girls who are not so pure I mean it, it's one of the most like hard things about this movie where it's like but she's such a nice person and she's like she does everything right why go after her you know she doesn't she doesn't get her ass stuck in a window she doesn't basically <laughs> you know she's not out uh, you know trolling for boys she's not doing anything else so it's like She's taking care of the kids. It's like this Annie, is almost Annie was grinding up against the house. Was she grinding the oh. house? Uh oh. <laughs> oh fucking was, wasn't she? Yeah. Fuck going to she really related to her. Holy uh, fuck. Yeah, she's, <laughs> yeah, she's my uh she's my half my half sister twice removed. Yes. Uh, <laughs> well, so we have proven that you can grind on a house. So yeah. suck it, Scotland. Suck it. <laughs> Yeah, boy, America. I'm gonna make you a. I'm gonna, house, boy. I'm gonna make a picture or a T-shirt, and it's just gonna be a picture of her ass stuck in that window, and it's just gonna be like, yeah, in your face. Chuddles, you, Chuddles, is that T-shirtable? <laughs> would you wear Annie's ass sticking out of a window on a T-shirt? Because I would. I, I would. Say. I would. I, I, but but I've got a thing for Annie. So and, and on know. the back on the back of the shirt, it says, "You can grind a house." You can't grind a house. Yeah. <laughs> Motherfucking, I love, I love that. That's my Actually. William Wallace fucking speech. That you know when he's rallying up the fucking yeah. troops. That's my fucking. That's how I rally you boys up. Yeah, boy. Yeah, fucking, boy. Yeah. When I'm when I'm down in the, the dumps, I just fucking go listen to that roast. <laughs> I was I was on Fire a work off. site whenever um Ian sent that to me. I was by myself at one site, and I had sent my guys to another site to start hand digging this trench, while I finished up all the technical stuff at the other site. And we're, me and him are having a chat back and forth, and that's when that because this was Grindhouse's idea was to have people uh, send in some blurbs, and uh, I, I was asking him like, dude, if you could roast us though, like that would be the jam. Wham bam balam. Can I can I can I tell you an interesting story about that roast as well, Kibu? I fucking want to hear oh, it, yeah, baby. Please. I want to hear anything so, you got to say. So obviously, just I to confirm that you messaged me privately at the blue one day and were like, "Listen, episode one hundred, you know, we're talking about you know doing blurbs, sending in a voice, kind of uh, recording, talking about the show. However, it's the nightclub." So we want you to roast the fuck out of us. So <laughs> I went away. I went away. And I was like, what the fuck can I say? Now, I was in the bar, naked Tibu, when I <laughs> thought up the fucking, the roast in my head. And I was like, fuck, I need, I need to get out of this bath right fucking now and go and record this. 
There was no time to put clothes on, Tibu. It's fresh in my head. There was no time to put clothes on. See, when I sent you that voice recording, baby, I was naked as the day I was born. (laughs) This is a 10. This is a fucking 10. That makes it even better. Oh, my God. Full-blown naked boy. So technically, that's a porno voicemail I fucking sent you, but that's a porno voicemail I sent you. I knew there was a reason I got hard when I heard that the first time. I I thought I heard something swinging in the air during that. Now I know what it was. Okay. I thought I heard it. That that was that fucking Scottish hammer he calls Wilhelm. (laughs) 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 It's it's just amazing, dude. So thank you for that. I know I've thanked you a bunch, but I can't thank you enough. No, you're very welcome. It's a pleasure. It was a naked pleasure sending it to you. (laughs) The naked pleasures. (laughs) You have fun swinging that claymore, brother. You have fun swinging that <laughs> All right, back to the movie. Um... You do realize that if you possess an actual swinging, swinging claymore, it is longer than Travis is tall, just for the record. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hell. Well, maybe it's a tie. It's five foot four. You're five foot four, right? So you're, <sighs> so you're, as, long, you're as tall as Cronenberg's dick. That's awesome. <laughs> there's only one hogzilla back to the movie um <laughs> start getting all butthurt <laughs> i'm gonna I'm, I'm gonna become butthurt plavis on here don't start don't start me up never never once you stop me up stop me up i'll never stop rolling stones are bay i'm just gonna say that right now um and so and so is annie walking through there Oh, my mm-hmm. Paul, I well, give you yeah. all of that butter-covered ass. Yes. Oh, she's just, yeah. Oh, God, why can't I think of that? Thin Lizzy. They're also bae. Oh, Thin Lizzy. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Doing that I for that. I prefer Thin Lizzy. Doing that for that Cronin Bay because they Scottish. They're Irish. Are they? Uh, they're, yeah. Irish. they're Irish, but close. Close. Sorry. <laughs> 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 Remember, close only counts in horseshoes and hand grenades there, Travis. So, I was trying. I mean, yeah. I mean, it is it is an island, technically. So, I mean, good on you, I guess. Maybe. At least I'm not At least I'm not committing sacrilege and just saying that they're the same thing. No. Right, Cronenberg? Yeah, Ireland's an island. Scotland's an, an island. Australia's an island. And they all fucking talk funny. So I don't... What, what the fuck do you want from me? I don't know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> I do realize they're not the same thing. Because I because I have a map and the map tells me they're not the same thing. Shkonepanek, Shkonepanek. To put it in the context, it's kind of like saying Canadians are the same as Americans. That's probably oh, the best. You know, that's, that's a bit as closer. That's okay. Closer and you say that, and and I mean, I get what you mean by making that comparison because we're not, Americans and Canadians aren't technically the same. But Ricky and I happen to be Cajun, mm-hmm. and they're from Canada. So, well, but there's also a physical thing too, where like America, mm-hmm. uh, America would be like the liver, and and Scotland would be like a pimple on the ass of the earth. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> oh shit! I don't I'm know just, if it's a pimple cut. Well, okay, a, a cancerous lesion. How about that? Oh my god! <laughs> <laughs> a cancerous alcoholic lesion. That's what we are. That's what we are. I thought, <laughs> dude, you sound like you're talking about Britain, dude. Like, 
You sound like you're talking about Ireland. Yeah, yeah, probably. Yeah, they drink I, well, a lot. They know for I'm, drinking their asses yeah. off. Oh yeah. No, I'm Irish, and we and we do. And I have I been thought there. you were German, was... you bitch. He's nope, both. My, my father's oh. side was German. My mother's side was Irish. So... Okay, you're you're multicultural. The nightclub that, is woke yes. now. Are we? I don't. Yeah. I don't woke gosh, as fuck, I... boy. We're so woke. We're cosmic. You know this. You know this, man. Woke as fuck. Well, but boy. I think if we got if we if we got woke, we'd have to cancel ourselves. So I don't know how that's going to work out. We if don't we... because we're also based. Yeah, it's all that. <laughs> it's all of it. <laughs> Okay, fair enough. Yeah. Okay, so back back to the movie. If I, God damn it, this is this ain't the last drive-in. Oh. <laughs> and Annie Annie getting smoked in the in the the fucking breath covered foggy windows of the car. For there's sure. something something about this, and there's a little piece of me that knows that all she has on is that white shirt and those cute little flowered panties. And I'm like, I don't know if I'd kill her or if I'd give her a quick ride first and then kill her. But well, I would me. definitely me. I would definitely not kill her. Right. I'm just going to put that out there. You just you 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 talk her into the back seat. Is that what you do? Because sure, this is this is the '70s and fucking back seats were the size of like a studio apartment. So sure, I mean, you sure. could probably have a good time. <laughs> if oh, she, for if sure. She, if she's willing, hell yeah. Oh yeah, I'm into it. Yeah, send her over to the center console. Have have her make you a drink. Have her pop open one of those armrest ashtrays. I mean, shit would be fucking legit in there. It's too bad that that Annie doesn't get her 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 pickle wicking tonight. Whatever that means, but uh, that's, that's that's the worst part. She doesn't even get after all this shit. She doesn't even get stiffed like nope. one last time. Doesn't nope. even get to ride the baloney pony into Valhalla. It's terrible. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. Oh my god. Linda does though. Linda and oh. Bob show oh. the fuck up, and oh. this is this is gross. This is gross, but it's also dope. Cause I get where I get where Bob is coming from with his little joke, because he t- he talks about ripping his clothes off, ripping Linda's clothes off, and then ripping Lindsay's clothes off. Yeah, that's like uh, and, yeah, he's a fuck up in the lines because he was he's meant to say Annie, and he fucked up the lines and said Lindsay, and they just kept it in. Oh shit! Interesting. Actually Interesting makes choice. makes that makes more, more makes, makes it more sense. palatable. Makes it more palatable. Yeah, because yeah. it's like but then. Like, what? But, but then you could you could look at it the other way though that Bob and Linda are pedophiles and therefore Michael does the world a favor by killing both of them because they're running a pedophile <laughs> ring. Sure, sure. I like this. Yeah, they got yeah. prison shanked. I like it. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do. I I do. To touch on real quick though, I do find the the kill in the car to be haunting. Like you said, through the fog yeah, window. It's a little graphic. It's not like graphic, but it's just. I don't know. There's something violent, like super violent about it. Yeah, it's violent it's because it's also like again, you're in what seems like it would be a safe place, a garage in your yeah. car, no less, and yeah. you get fucking murked by this nameless, faceless killer that yep, you did that's... nothing to provoke. Yeah, but it's the it's the it could happen to you part, right? Mm-hmm, you, mm-hmm. you go out, you're going to work, you're going out to buy coffee, or if you're T bull, you're going out to buy seven pounds of weed, whatever. And you just get in your car and you're going and you get fucking ah. this movie. There's still parts of it. Like when I watch it, I don't get scared, but I definitely get the frisons. Yeah, but- so oh, yeah, like, boy. And it's just like, <laughs> oh, I mean, and it gives it, they hit you. They hit you. It, it starts at your shoulders. It goes down your arms and then it hits your nipples. And it's just like, oh, it's got a full sauce. And you, and you got to cover yourself up, you know, and just mm-hmm. like, oh, but it the, still happens to me when I watch I, this movie. I got it the nipples, cuz. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. I got the nip songs from watching Halloween. Yeah. <laughs> the nip songs. The nip songs, Bob. No, yeah. What gives me the nip songs is that Paul and or Linda and Bob get the freaky monkeys dance on. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know what Whatever I'm saying the anymore. Fuck that is. Yeah, right. I'm talking. I'm talking about pickle wicking the freaky monkey dance. I'm making up all kinds uh-huh. of euphemisms for sex tonight. Welcome to the <laughs> nightclub. Travis yeah, is two beers in, high as fuck, and we get one of the best characters in the whole movie. But after we get one of the most, another iconic shot, Paul's ass getting pinned to the fucking wall. Oh, it's so awesome. I want to say I like the fact that she made that boy get the beer. You yeah. mentioned yeah. that. You mentioned that, Travis. <laughs> And I Go agree. fetch I me like a that. beer, bitch. Yeah, I like I this. Love She's that. like, you do, You owe me a beer for that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Get me a beer, bar. Well, I just, it. I love the whole thing because they're not in their own house, right? They're so they're in somebody else's house, right? And they're upstairs fucking in the parents' bedroom, right? And then, and then she pulls out a pack of heaters and lights one for each of them, and it's like. Do you not think anyone's going to notice that this bed has got cigarette ashes and cum stains all over it? Like, right. nobody's going to notice that shit? Right. I mean, this room like, smells like cigarette and yeah, ass. Yeah, what exactly. What the fuck yeah. is going on? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, no mother would walk in there and go, wait a minute. Somebody, <laughs> somebody been fucking in here. And they smoked cigarettes and drank beer, and I'm pretty sure somebody took it in the ass. This oh, reeks, this reeks of, of fucking grandma's house in Badusi. Uh, ex- yeah, exactly, exactly right. Cronenberg, Cronenberg, y'all, y'all say that over in uh in Scottsdale, Arizona. Y'all say Badusi. Badusi, that's a new one for me, sir. That is a new one for me. You know what that is? You know what that is? In in Scottsdale. You, you know what that is? <laughs> no. Booty, it's, I, it's, I, I know, I, I, enlighten me, Dr. Travis, what is it? Let's go to sex ed class. The witch tell, doctor of doom is going to instruct you. The badusi is the booty, <laughs> the, the booty, the dick, and the pussy. And it's, and it's, it's, and it's, the, it's the odor, it's the odor of, of the room after the act has gone down. If you did it right, if you did it right. If you did it right, yep. it should smell like all three of them. Mm-hmm. All you did it right. <laughs> Jesus Christ! Yeah, Bob. <laughs> so we we get one of the best characters, Bob the Ghost. She she even oh. leading up to Bob Bob's death, the tension and the whole build up because you've got the two of them on the couch together, Linda and Bob, and Michael standing at the end of the kind of living room door watching them. The shadow goes across the screen as well when the two of them are in the bed together. And you're kind of going right. When's he going to strike? When's he going to strike? And I don't know if he's noticed. See when Bob goes downstairs to get the beer, and obviously the pickle's breathing. So you know he's there. You just don't know where the fuck he is. And then obviously Bob kind of thinks, all right, it's it's Linda and Paul playing a trick. And then he thinks it's sorry, he thinks it's Annie or Paul. And then his final line before he opens the cupboard is, Linda, come on out, and then fucking bang, just fucking comes out and canes him, grabs him by the fucking throat, and lifts him up for the choke slam for hell. <laughs> this is the overpowered Michael. Like he's not as he's strong as like he is as strong as ten men. That's why he's able to fucking take out a goddamn squad of firefighters, you know, which most firefighters I would have to imagine are in at least good physical condition. Not they somewhat. Be, they have to be in good they're physical a, condition. They're not allowed to they're not allowed to not be in good in peak physical condition. Like right. straight up. So picking up Paul like that and stabbing the shit out of him and literally 
pinning him to the wall. You, and this is when you get the Michael Goodboy head tilt. Yeah, bro. <laughs> see, see, see that as well. Tibu, that was the only piece of direction that John Carpenter gave um, Nick Castle. Every piece of direction was, John, how am I going to play this? Walk from there to there. No, but what do you want me to do? Walk from there to there. This was the only scene where he went, see, after you start them, do a head tilt. Like, as you say, like you're a puppy dog looking at something you can't quite understand. This is that blind idiot god looking upon its own works in curious, like curiosity that just probably becomes indifference and he goes on to the next one how can i kill the next one what's gonna what's that gonna look like what's that gonna feel like i wonder if michael feels anything when he kills some i wonder if that's what he's looking for oh i don't know um that's weird that's weird love it babe love it (laughs) um i never thought that before what michael's after it it could be nothing but like that head tilt gives away that something is there something is in there well, I don't know what it is or what its machinations are, but um, he, well, yeah, like we, we said, that's what they never tell you though, and that's a piece of the movie where it's like, it's one of those rare times where they don't bother with what Ricky would call an expedition dump, and they, and they don't bother telling you why, you know, and that's one of the rare things of this movie. They don't tell you why. No, no, this is it's basically because um, it don't matter why. It, well, it just it, don't matter. It don't matter, cuz. But what it opens up is like a thought like I just had that kind of gave me the – it kind of spooked me <laughs> if we're going to stay on on, on uh, top on uh, – Gave you the small town free songs. Yeah, I got the nip songs again. Um, So Bob the Ghost is chilling in the doorway. He ain't got a beer. It's – it's spoilers. It's Michael Myers with a bed sheet on, and he's got sunglasses over the bed sheet. And this is I just like, – I like that Michael is just silly at this moment. He has Bob's glasses. <laughs> he doesn't have sunglasses. He has Bob's glasses on. He ain't chilling with no Ray-Bans. He's got Bob's glasses on. Oh, well, Still, whatever. He's, he's quite silly at this moment, and I approve. He's just being a fun boy at this at this moment for himself, his own amusement. Yeah, I love it. Uh, he, he, he prank kills uh, Linda, pretending to be Bob. Uh, Lori calls her while this is happening. So she's on the phone with Lori getting strangled to death. I like how when Michael starts strangling Linda – when she falls to the floor, the sheet comes off in one swift motion. So right. it's, it's like her death. It, it's, you know, it's being revealed. It's, it's the evil that's haunting Haddonfield. It's Michael fucking Myers. Cause, and then he picks up the phone. He picks up the phone and says, what the? <laughs> <laughs> picks up the phone. He's like, it's a 10 boy. It's a 10. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> picks up the phone and goes, Lori, have you seen Phantasm? Uh, okay so what happens after this laurie decides that something's wrong at the house and decides to walk over meanwhile we know she's walking into myers house of fucking pain but just just before that loomis finds the station wagon and sees the the sigil Oh, on the let, edge of the station wagon that says for official use only. Let's not skip over this one thing. We almost forgot it. Uh, there's a scene where Loomis gets happy to be mean yeah. to a to like scare yeah, a little bro. kid. <laughs> yeah, bro. The, the bullies from earlier in the film that were picking on little Tommy Wallace and like they surrounded him screaming, the boogeyman, he's going to get you huh. and all that shit. Loomis is hiding behind the bushes and fucking get your ass out of here. <laughs> and, and, and when when they run away. 
he smiles, bro. Mm-hmm. He he likes it. He likes that he scared them kids. Halloween Kills may missed an absolute treat because obviously the wee boy Lonnie that he pranks to scare mm-hmm. is obviously one of the characters in Halloween Kills. And why there wasn't a scene with Lonnie talking about the therapy that he had to go to after walking <laughs> up to that house and mm-hmm. hearing that god awful fucking voice. <laughs> Hello, <laughs> get your ass away from there. I'd have been like that. I'd have fucking ran straight home and not spoken for weeks. I'd have been like fucking Angela for fucking Superbee <laughs> Cam. Not even a fucking, <laughs> fucking standing in the garden with my dick out. My parents would be like, right, he's fucking gone to therapy. How they didn't fucking do that. But you're right, Tivo. It's, it's like the one kind of comedy kind of sequence within this kind of uh, film. And then we get some more good Loomis speech as well, because Brackett obviously shows up after it. And, um, you know, Loomis is going, like, talking about how he was uh, unhumanly patient, waiting for this night, looking beyond the wall for this night in Haddonfield. So there's a good mix of stuff in that scene. Damn, yeah, dude. After that, we've got Laurie walking towards, obviously we've got Linda and Bob are dead, and Laurie's now walking towards the mm-hmm. the Wallace house where Michael's lying in wait. Yeah, I, I I don't remember what happens when she goes. She goes in there and gets attacked by him, right? So, yeah, so oh, she walks is, in. This is when, because the movie doesn't have a lot of gore, but it does have some no. violence. So, obviously, this is where, obviously, she walks in, she's downstairs, and you get that shot here. She opens the bedroom door, and the camera's looking at Laurie, and you just see her face drop, and you're kind of going, what the hell she's seen? And that's when... The camera thunder and again I think this is quite an iconic shot of Annie lying on the bed with the sister's tombstone uh, at the end of it look at the top of it this is all Michael Myers being creative as fuck as a killer yeah staging bodies for Annie to find and be freaked out the headstone this is the shit that they tried to give Jason they tried to give this this kind of creative stashing of bodies of victims uh they did this in the Friday the 13th franchise, and I, I can only imagine it, it's inspired by what Michael's up to, these shenanigans. Oh, for sure. Mm-hmm. Oh, Friday the 13th did it, but but I think Michael's was more artistry and Jason's was more shock value because the bodies would fall out of something or they'd swing on something or they'd do whatever else. Yeah, Michael's was more tucked away presentation. And then, presentation. yeah, he was a showman. That's yeah. why he dressed up yeah. like a ghost, and mm-hmm. and he looked at his own art in a curious manner. Michael's an artist. He's an artist mm-hmm. of death. Yeah, he'd go. Mm-hmm. Amaze, yeah. amaze balls. This is when Ann, or Lori does tussle with, with Michael. I believe this is the fucking, is this the scene with the, the letter opener in the neck or what is it, Rick? It's a fucking like sewing needle or some shit. Or does that happen at the, uh, at Tommy's house? Lori backs hurt. up to the wall and you see that there's like the doorway you slowly but surely just see the white face yeah. behind her. Such a cool shot. When I, when I watched that as a kid, I always thought it was Michael what, stepping out the door that the reason his face comes into shot. It wasn't. Huh? He was standing there the whole time. They had a really huh? low light. So huh? They just turned the brightness up on slightly until his face just appeared. Mm-hmm. And then obviously he strikes her with the, with the knife. That is that is one of the best shots in the whole oh, movie. Absolutely, mm-hmm. yeah. it's probably the best. If I had to, if I had to pick one, it's that one. It encompasses it, it everything about off it. So black and so dark, and you just almost see something, and you're not sure. 
but you know something's supposed to be there, and then the lights just kind of come up, and all you see is that fucking face. Totally. It in, I think totally. it encompasses... <laughs> totally. <laughs> it encompasses what the, the whole movie is in one shot without dialogue. It's something you can't foresee is coming, and it's going to come no matter what, and it's going to come out of the fucking darkness, and it's goddamn death. This is this Tibu's take. That's my take on the movie. If 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 anyone shares yeah. it, hell yeah. But that's my little perspectio right there. And that's that shot is is the fucking one. Um, we're in the third the third and final act. Uh, this is this is the beginning of the the final girl chase. Uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And and I guess it's OG. She, she goes back to the uh, the Wallace house. Is it no Tommy? The, uh, the Doyle house. The Doyle house. She barely gets there, man, before she gets let in, right? She falls down. Yeah, right. he's, he's, she falls down. Yeah, right. he's, yep. he's close. He's close to catching her. He's very, very close to catching her. I like, I like the shots going back and forth between her at the door and him walking closer. It, it again for a low budget movie, and they only shot and made things atmospheric and suspenseful. But fuck, dude, it it still works. Like from when I first saw and, it to now, like it still fucking works. I was just going to say, she goes to a neighbor's house first and pounds on the door and all the lights come on and the neighbor peers through the blinds and goes, nope, and turns the lights back right. off. Right. It's yeah. fucked up. Like, That's fucked oh. up. Yeah. Fucked up. And, that, and this is where you obviously get the, the music where it's just like, dumb, 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 dumb. And it just built the tension just builds and builds. Because even, see, before she gets out the house where she runs into the kitchen and locks the door, and she tries to get out the back, and he's put the rake against the door, yep. and he's hammering at the kitchen. Like, I can remember the first time I ever watched it, literally, it was like, a bit, it was probably the first time I'd ever experienced anxiety, because you've got her trying to get out that kitchen, the, the back door, he's got his fist through the kitchen door, trying to get the thing unlocked, and you're like, is, is, what's gonna, is she going to get out the door? Is he going to get in? It's just, it, it, it's fucking killer. When you, if you're into this film, the first time you watch it, but this scene, you're literally like, your nerve endings are standing on end because it's just like the intensity's just doubled, it's quadrupled. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it's crazy. This is where she stabs him with the fucking sewing needle, right? The knitting needle? Yeah. Yeah, she gets yeah. into the house. She gets into the house. She has to throw the potted plant and do all that to wake up Tommy. But yeah, she grabs that big, like, foot and a half long sewing needle. Um, and he tries to stab her, but she gives him the needle in the neck. Yeah. And then he just, he does one of his patented Michael Myers, oh, I'm hurt, fall down, I'm dead. Yeah. Moments. He, yep. he, he constantly falls down when he gets hurt a little bit. I say a little bit. A, a needle, a, a sewing, a knitting needle to the neck. I don't know what that feels like. Maybe I'd pass out. I don't know. But he seems to pass out for low damage attacks. But mm-hmm. he's immortal, so he gets back up and lumbers towards you. Like, it, it's, it's fucked up. Right. It's like, that, it's like that, uh, that thing from It Follows. Well, yeah, the whole thing, though. I mean, and I think we've talked about this before. Is he immortal or is he not? And there's a point. Again, shout out to our Chuddle brothers. Chuddle the twat. Put it on your, <laughs> your suspenders of disbelief. Is Michael Myers immortal from the get-go? Because... How many I, like, those... I like how Grindhouse is begrudgingly sh- shouting out. No, <laughs> no, I, I, love, I love their suspenders of disbelief theory because I think that's what you have to do. You have to put them on and you got to snap them a few times and be like, okay, I'm going to watch this because it, it's any, also any... called being cosmic. Everyone has their terms. Eh, possibly. Yeah. But any other mortal human being taking a, a sewing needle to the neck would probably be down for the count. And he just is never, 
He's never down for the count. No. Right. Even if it don't kill him, they're they're yeah. like, okay, I'm done fucking with you. Yeah, he gets to a three, <laughs> he gets to a three count and he's back up. So it's not even like good wrestling, you know? This is what's dope though. Lori goes to check on the kids again. Like Ricky from Sleepaway Camp, Lori is ride or die with her goal. Her her mission is to yep. watch over these children. She has been tasked with keeping these kids safe. She's gonna fucking do it, man. Mm-hmm. And and she she never lets up on it. I, I love that about mm-hmm. her character. Again, Lori. Yeah, yeah. she's hey, such girl. a good person. She a real mm-hmm. one. Not her neighbors. Not the neighbors that didn't let her in. They're not. They're not good neighbors. They're That's not. not they are not, not state. They're not state. Try farm. that. Try that shit in a small town. Yeah, <laughs> small town. We're gonna we're gonna look through. <laughs> We're gonna look through the window and then we're gonna be like, come on inside, Sha. Take your shoes off. Mm-hmm. Pass pass a good time. We're gonna with, cook some rice. With Michael outside. All right. <laughs> um then <laughs> there's Michael again. Top of the stairs, got his knife out, and she locks herself in the closet and wraps the I think it's a belt or something or a bathrobe, whatever belt that she wraps on the doorknobs and she's in that like the worst protection ever. Yeah. It's like you might you might as well be hiding in a beehive. You know, it's like that soft. If you're a panda and you're hungry and you're going after a bunch of bamboo, Michael is the panda and the bamboo is that door. And Lori yeah. is, dude, she's the snack. That boy yeah. is going to, he tears through that shit super easy. Yeah. I don't know why I think Michael Myers is a panda, but I do. And he is. <laughs> she, takes, she takes the clothes hanger and stabs him in the eyeball. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She put mm-hmm. it. She put it in his little eye like that. Yeah. All right. Oh, oh, yeah. oh. in his little eye. His little eye, Sha. Oh, well, he, well, then, he, he goes, then he goes back down. <laughs> he drops his knife, though. He drops his knife, and she picks it up, and she gives him the old stabby stab to the guts, you know. Mm-hmm. And then he does his again. Michael Myers patented fall down. Oh, I got a boo boo, you know. Yeah. So this is this is where the Undertaker got his his fucking iconic. I'm just gonna sit up after being severely injured. Because right. Michael Michael does the pop yes. up. What I don't like about this this shot is Lori being in the doorway. What I what I like about it is she she kind of tells the kids what to do, go get yep. help, whatever. And they're all about it. They're like, hell yeah, Mama Lori, we're gonna do that. But she's got her back to Michael the whole time. Yeah. And homeboy That's... can just come and get you. Uh-huh. Again, when 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 the shape doesn't want to be seen, he won't be seen. It's almost like a or a spell comes over people and they just do dumb shit and mm-hmm. let him let him get after it. So he 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 come oh wait when the kids go outside they're immediately fucking screaming. They're screaming, <laughs> yeah. Screaming, screaming bloody murder. And there's Loomis going, hmm, I wonder if something's going on over here. <laughs> yes. Oh. Yeah, your homeboy Loomis over there gets clued oh. in real quick. Yes, he does. Cronenberg, oh. you brought us you brought us to the dance here tonight. This is the final. Yes. This is this is this is it. I'd like if you'd take us home right here. You get obviously Myers doing his Undertaker impression, and he sits mm-hmm. up, and he ends up grabbing Laurie with the throat. At this point, Loomis charges up the stairs, hero of the day, and Laurie manages to get the mask off of her boy Michael, and that's when you see your boy Grindhouse, Mister Tony Moran, the twenty-three-year-old yeah, Michael Myers. His left eye does look slightly disfigured, but. I don't know if that was makeup effects or if it was kind of just the way it, it hits it in the light. But anyway, Loomis unloads a shot. Michael disappears into the room, gets the mask back on. Loomis comes in and unloads another five bullets into her boy Michael. He walks out on the balcony and falls over. And the last shot we see of him is lying in the grass. 
in the angel position. And then we get another iconic line where Loomis returns to check on Laurie and we get the what's the boogeyman? And it was what's his line, I believe that just was Hugh mm. Loomis walking towards the balcony, looking out, and what do we see? Empty garden because Michael's picked himself up and made off. Cue the credits. How this film does in with shots of it go it gets very skinnamarink. It get it gives you yeah. shots of the house Where's with Michael. With, hold on, hold on. With Michael breathing, so there's that ominous threat of where is Michael? Is he is he dead? Is he everywhere? Is he is he what, what the fuck? How's he alive? Like whatever, whatever's going through your mind as the viewer, and you you fucking close out on just the uncertainty of Halloween night. Your well, there's like the heavy breathing isn't there throughout. It's all the places we've been so far on that Halloween night, all the different houses, all the different rooms, but with Michael's breathing over the top of it, and then the final shot of the film is obviously the heavy breathing, and then it's a shot of the Myers house just on its own, which if there wasn't a sequel could imply that that's where Michael's going, but there's also that, but you know, where is he? Mm-hmm. Throughout this kind of, you know, you know, he's been shot six times. I shot him six times. Six and, times. You know, he's now yeah. Gone. But another, <laughs> another interesting piece of trivia for you is that whole sequence before they shot it. Donald Pleasance went to John Carpenter and went, "When I look out the window, when he's gone, do you want me to play it as over the top shocked, or I knew this was going to happen?" And Carpenter went, I don't really know, let's do both. And the shot they went with was, I knew this was going to happen. Mm. You better have oh. there, boys. You can't escape fate, bitch. Yeah. yeah. That was Halloween 1978, The Nightclub's Midnight Ritual, featuring Ian Cronenberg, the motherfucking bay from back in the day, all right? Mm-hmm. Bruh, big Ian Cronenberg on the show. Thank you, dude. Thank you for suggesting this movie. Again, before we started this, when I was saying, like, I, I wouldn't have ever came around to picking this one. It's not because I don't love it, and it's not because I don't think it's worth talking about. It's just, it's one that's been done so much. But yeah. I think I think, I think think we did it justice, and I think we added some uh, some some cool shit to it, uh, to Halloween. Maybe, maybe, maybe perspectives that have been had, but uh, definitely not jokes. <laughs> so... <laughs> We, we we I think we accomplished we accomplished at least that we 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 been them silly boys but uh this is this is a heady slasher movie at least in style at the very least the 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 themes the story very simple but what this movie excels in is suspense and atmosphere and lore building world yeah. building um we didn't know it and maybe maybe John Carpenter didn't believe it but you look at you look at where we're at now with horror icons. There hasn't been a Friday the 13th movie in over 10 years. There hasn't been a Nightmare on Elm Street movie in over 10 years. Texas Chainsaw is still in there and Chucky lives on. So, you know, that's something something to say for those franchises, good or bad. But we keep coming back to Halloween as a culture. It keeps happening over and over again. 
whether it was let's keep these movies going mustafa akkad style let's bring lori back for halloween the 20th anniversary let's fucking let rob zombie have the reign david gordon green you want a trilogy you got it cuz and for the most part as a society we're there for it halloween halloween has has transcended film even it's become a touchstone of culture when people think horror movies they think of Halloween and think of Michael Myers alongside the other icons. Like, and I would say it's it's one of the, the lasting ones. And this movie is the beginning of that. This movie for me is a 10 out of 10. It's not one of my personal favorite horror movies. Like it, it would probably be in my top 50, maybe, if I sat down and tried to make a real one. I think it would be in like my top 50, but it's not in my top 20 or anything like that. I got a lot of tens because I probably have over a hundred tens. It's it's stupid, but I don't care. <laughs> I don't I don't care. But this movie you is a ten. You don't have to care, bro. No, I don't have to care. It don't matter. This movie is a ten. I think I think objectively, this movie is a ten. Um, I agree with that. So so that that's my final thoughts and ratings. Um, JHZ, you were you were chomping at the bit. Chomp, boy. Give us yours, brother. Well, I think the simple thing about this movie, and it's it's lore the history that it has. I mean, it's been going on for over 40 years. It's the only movie that if you go into a mall and you go to a gift shop and you buy a calendar, it's written in bold letters on a calendar. It's always there. There is no escaping this. Um, whether you're someone who's into the Halloween and into trick-or-treating and kids dressing up and just being scared or not, it doesn't matter. It's still there. You can't get away from it. I didn't see this movie probably until the early 80s. I might have been I might have been eight or nine the first time I saw this movie. And it it scared me. It scared the shit out of me. And the interesting part is it scares the shit out of you without having to be covered in blood, without having to be a killer who's just absolutely racing after his victims and doing everything. I mean, the slow pace, I and I think Friday the thirteenth capitalized on this, but the slow pace of our killer where he's just he he's out to do a task and he's gonna get there eventually and there's not a lot of hurry, which is kind of one of the things I like about Michael Myers is he doesn't ever seem to be in a hurry. I just love that about him. He's methodical. He's good at what he does. He spent a lot of time thinking about this. Um, for a lot of these movies, he seems to be a killer who lacks a certain motivation, as in they don't explain to us why he's a killer, which I think is also great. And then in the end, he's just in your backyard. You know, He's looking at you through your fucking laundry that's on the laundry line. And that's, it's beautiful. It's what makes horror scary. It's what makes slasher scary. And it's what, to your point, the hard part about doing something like Halloween 78 is it's one of the foundational cornerstones of horror. So how do you, how do you take it and say something new about it other than just to get a bunch of fucktards like us together and, and, and talk about <laughs> it, um, which is the beautiful part ultimately. Mm -hmm. um, so yeah, for me, uh, Halloween 1978, it's fucking ten, boy. boy. Yeah, boy. Love to hear yeah, you, boy. boy. It's a goddamn ten, boy. Boy, boy, boy. Boy, 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 boy. Instead of brown, 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 it's boy, 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 boy. <laughs> <laughs> That's the new sound a banjo makes. Boy, 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 yeah, the boy the Joe boy to boy. Joe. From, <laughs> yeah. from the boy Joe to the boy Kaboy. Final <laughs> thoughts and ratings, Rickle Pickle. So, I probably already said everything that I'm about to say, but just to reiterate, this movie's scary. 
because it's the fucking mailman that you got to worry about. It's the person that you catch looking at you while you're not paying attention. And then they hurry up and look away. Mm. This, this person is anything. And it's the reason you should be armed and locking (laughs) your doors at night and whatnot. Um, Having trenches outside your house. (laughs) Have trenches dug outside your house. Conceal carry. If you don't, that's on you. Mm -hmm. Um, All that Mm -hmm. shit. Any, but you know, jokes aside, this movie's this movie's kind of just like the personification of death and fate, man. Like if death's coming, it don't matter how slow it's coming. It, it, it when it's your time, it's gonna get you. And Michael's fucking dope. I mean, for one, you've got character design out the ass. It's iconic as fuck. That you can't go anywhere and meet anybody who has. They might not know his name, but everyone has seen that mask. You know what I mean? Oh, dude, everyone's yeah. seen everyone's seen that mask at some point in their life yeah dude and and when you start looking at things like your shot composition in this movie the atmosphere that's made the fucking creativity in the dialogue and the fact that john carpenter scored this bitch the way he did dude it's a 10 we never we never yeah. mentioned the score like all that much well uh blah. Cronenberg did um to his to his credit but the score, just dude the score just is dope. to say like that alone is that iconic. alone is iconic yeah bro it don't matter if they know where what it's from everyone knows it from you Louisiana know? to Minnesota all the way to fucking Scotland cuz Cronenberg you brought this movie to us thanks to thanks to your dear old pa your old man hell yeah um brother take us home with your final thoughts and ratings for John Carpenter's Halloween so you boys have obviously covered a lot of kind of topics within the soundtrack alone, as you said, it's it's atmospheric, it's iconic. This is obviously one of my favourite horror films of all time because it was the film that started me on my, my journey of being a horror fan. It scared me. I still, to this day, I'm 39 years old, I will have a nightmare every so often where Michael Myers is chasing me. And it's all down to kind of, you know, the first effect this had, this film had when I watched it. I remember, even though I watched it with my dad back in the day and I was really, really young, my dad had said to me, this film will probably be a wee bit too scary for you. Being the defiant kid I was, I was like, nah. See the minute that piano kicks in, for that opening score. Right, I was like, oh, this is unsettling. Mm-hmm. See when that pumpkin appeared on the screen and then it starts going, dum, dum, dum. My brain went, you fucked up, boy, because this is fucking, this music alone is scaring the shit out of you. Michael Myers' face, as you said, Rickles, it's iconic. Grindhouse Zombie, you covered it. It's a mask and you can walk into a store and you can recognise it. And as you guys said, it's the face of death. You know, it's fate. It's coming for you. Michael Myers is a 10. The soundtrack's a 10. Sam Loomis is a 10. The performances are a 10. The journey you go on for the road, how she starts off as a sort of shy, she's like a, she's like a baby deer. You know, she doesn't say much. She's got these, she's got these two kind of 
uh, friends that, you know, they're, they're larger than life, you know, they're a wee bit more wilder than, than she is. But she goes on this, this process and how she's the one that has to fight off this evil and, you know, to defend not only herself, but Lindsay and Tommy. I love every second of this film, the atmosphere, the tension, the build-up. It's got a great final chase. And it's a goddamn ten, boy. Boy, 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 Long-time listener. Um, well, he's a Scottish 10, and I don't, I don't know how the Euro's doing right now, but we'll, we'll go with 10. <laughs> he's, he's a nightclub. He's a nightclub 10 out of 10, and Buccane, that's saying yeah, a lot. Um, you've, been, you've been listening from the fucking start, dude, and it's so cool to finally have you on a fucking official a nightclub episode doing a movie yes. review. I'm very happy that we got to cover your favorite horror movie, or, you know, the, the one that... The one that got you into into horror um and and that for us at the nightclub it's a fucking milestone to talk about a movie this important to a genre that we all fucking love i want to i want to close us out with something i was thinking about while grindhouse was uh braying like an ass um but but what he was saying made me think of this so um i was inspired the same way carpenter was inspired by bob clark's black christmas even though no one wants to admit it I'm glad um, my ass could inspire you. <laughs> it always does, baby. Um, uh. Halloween is on the calendar, dude. And that's a great point. You can't escape it. It's on the calendar and it's there in the subconscious. And that's why Halloween is synonymous with Michael Myers going trick-or-treating. It's associated with the boogeyman, the dark things that are going to come for you in the night. They're going to get you. That's why it transcends film and it transcends time. And that's mm-hmm. what Michael Myers is. He is time marching slowly forward to claim what he is owed your death i like that speaking of halloween too because this is coming out in the summer but but get ready motherfuckers because we're doing halloween havoc again this year it's going to be a month-long fucking celebration of horror like we we fucking do it's a celebration bitch yeah five finger (laughs) what did the five fingers say to the face slap it's the nightclub um halloween havoc four is going to be coming up but to to kind of get us a little to get our nipsons up, do how do y'all celebrate Halloween in Scotland? Do y'all do y'all go trick or treating and and dress up and all that? Yeah, you, there's the whole trick or treating that goes on. It's it's not as big as what it was, but I think that's kind of it's all kind of changed days now. Um, folk don't tend to go out anymore because everyone's inside, you know, playing computers and on the phone. But when I was a kid, yeah, the streets were filled with trick-or-treaters um, down in my estate, everywhere you went, you know, random people, you know, you could just walk up to a random door, chap it, and, you know, somebody would hand you candy and, you know, you would crack on with the rest of your night, but I don't think it's quite as big over here anymore as, as what it was in the past. 
do you imagine you go you like you go to a fucking house open the door and the guy gives you candy and he starts fucking rambling about how he's got the blackest eyes the devil's eyes if you just listen to me for fucking four hours i'll tell you all about this patient i knew i'll tell you i'll tell you cronenberg i'll tell you all about he knows your name he knows your fucking name He's the peepee Mike. He's been stalking you, and he can't wait to tell you all about Michael Myers. Scotland's a weird place, man. God damn. Yeah, goddamn <laughs> right it is. Goddamn right it is. <laughs> a weird place. A peepee man coming for me. I'd be like, God damn it. Fucking, there's that peepee man coming for my ass again. Fuck's sake. <laughs> He's going to just butter up, butter up my ass like Annie and get stuck in a fucking stepsister position. <laughs> fucking just take it. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, so happy we had you on here. Cronenberg, ha- have you or anyone that you've known or seen ever dressed up as William Wallace for Halloween? <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to ask you, but we started talking about Halloween, all right? Do you know what? Not that I can remember, but I can guarantee you at some point, Rickle, someone in Scotland will have dressed up as him. For oh, either sure. a football or a rugby game, or maybe ha- Halloween tends to be kind of horror stuff, but somebody somewhere will have dressed up as him and will have been cutting about. My dad dressed up as William Wallace for the Renaissance Festival, so I mean, I'm with it. <laughs> yeah, boy. <laughs> nice. That's yeah. awesome. Nice. That's awesome. Mr. We're, a kilt. we're Cajuns, but we're a kilt family. <laughs> My dad and yeah, I yeah. had kilts. We had the tartans. We had all the, the whole thing, bro. Oh. Whole thing. I honestly would like, I would like if kilts were embraced, to be honest. I'm, listen, I would totally wear a kilt all the oh, time. Oh, yeah, bro. All the time. With it's, no, so, it's so nice and cool, bro. It's, it's, I would be free-balling underneath all well, yeah, the time. Yeah, think, but think, think about all the road rash you'd get on the head of your Hogzilla. That, oh, that that's true. Be fun. <laughs> that's true. That thing would be dragging <laughs> the dirt, bro. <laughs> What? Well, because if you're wearing if you're wearing a kilt, if you're wearing a kilt, you can't wear drawers. So if you right, that's what I'm saying. I would not. I already don't most of the time. So I don't be stepping all over your dick, dude. Hogzilla. Yeah, Hogzilla would be. Yeah, you'd you'd be be walking on it, bro. That ain't good. I I was gonna say I'd be Tom Petty free balling. Okay. (laughs) Well, no, but it'd be that old thing. It's like when I saw the one set of footprints in the sand. What was that line going down the middle? That would be you. <laughs> you have to tuck it in your fucking sock or something, dude. Yeah, but... <laughs> then it would smell like your foot too, man. Yeah, even better. It would yeah. just smell like a dick. Yeah. It would smell like a foot. Horn chip dick. Boys, can I say something? Yeah. So obviously I've been listening to the show since near enough to start. I know you started in 2019 and it was 2020 uh, that I started listening. But uh, I just wanted you to know how much of a pleasure it is getting to listen to you guys every week. Obviously, when the show started, you know, it was a different three-piece. Grindhouse Zombie, you've joined the team and you've made the show that much stronger. You've just slotted right in there. It's a pleasure listening to you. Rickles, you're the funniest motherfucker I've ever heard. You make me laugh every fucking week. Mm -hmm. I listen to the fucking show. You're a pleasure. Tiboo, it's been an absolute pleasure that you reached out to me, mate. I think you're a fucking top bloke. You're a good fucking guy. And thank you so much for all the entertainment that you have provided me over the years. Because you guys have literally provided me with hours upon hours of just enlightenment, laughs, information, 
new films to watch, and it's been an absolute pleasure, boys. Thank you. Wow. You're going to uh, make me tear up, bro. Yeah. For thank real. You. Thank you thank for you. saying that. Thank you for all that. And thank no, you for being here. Yeah, you're very welcome, boys. Yeah, I think that's your I think that's your sign off there, bud. There, yeah. I, there ain't, right, nothing no more needs to be said. <laughs> that for real got me welled up. Uh yeah, bro. honestly. <clears throat> well, I'm not gonna get tearing my beard crying, but that I, I sure. just I just teared up a little bit. Yeah. I'm gonna say I'm gonna say why this is I do this for fun and for free. For free for everybody else. It costs me money to do this and time, which is more valuable. But I wouldn't do it if it wouldn't work the time. And doing this with Ricky and and at first doing it with my wife was very special to me. And then when it, you know, things shifted and, and life changed, finding more friends and it and it only happened from doing this show that we met Grindhouse. And I'm like, this guy can go and he's dynamic and 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 let let's fucking like you said, dude, make it stronger. I'm glad you enjoy it. That 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 makes it worth it. That makes it worth it to know that you've gotten that much enjoyment out of us having yes. fun, you know. So glad you could be here to be to have fun with us and make make a thing. We made a thing, we, guys. We say it. We say it all the time. The the reason we do this is meeting people, getting to know people, making friends, talking to them. You are the prime example of that for us. I think I can say it for myself. I think I can say it for them too. You're like the prime example of that. Like, yep. you you make it all worth it. You know what I mean? It's cool that we get to talk to like people that work within the horror industry. Sure, um, it's very yeah. cool, and I love oh, it. Yeah, but this is cooler. Definitely, yeah. In the end, it's it's fun. It's fun for me to know that people listen to it and get enjoyment out of it. Um, yeah. I don't claim to be an expert on anything. I just like bullshitting about it. And it's, it's fun that someone has picked up this whole thing and has, you know, embraced our level of chaos. Cause that's what it is. It's <laughs> fucking chaos. You know what? At the same time, you Scottish fuck, if you want to talk smack to me, say it to my face. Or I'm going to come over and grind your fucking house. You <laughs> son of a bitch. <laughs> Oh, that'll go happen. Because you can't grind at his <laughs> You can't grind at his spot. So that's what will happen. That's a fraud grinder. Yeah. A fucking fraud. <laughs> Sounds like a grass to me. <laughs> <laughs> so this has been the nightclub. And if nothing else, embrace the fact that you're a fraud. Oh, oh shit. shit. <laughs> Break it till you Man. make it, cuz. Embrace the love. I'm feeling the fucking love tonight. Embrace the love, y'all. Yeah, embrace the Absolutely. love. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Shit. Embrace the love. <laughs> embrace the love. Stay spooky because everybody's entitled to a good scare. And remember, they might take our women, but they'll never take our freedom. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I was born in a small town. And I live in a small town.
got nothing against the big town Still hate seat enough to say look who's in the big town But my bed is in a small town Oh, that's good enough 